It's not one of those things where they say, well, they had Tom Selleck as, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins, joined as always by the voice of Cinema Sins, Jeremy Scott. Hi there. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be doing the Elite Eight. Let the games begin. This is madness. It's madness. I tell you, for the love of God. Battle Royale. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. Mm. Oh, Moving into the final four, our hardest. Yes. Our absolute hardest. Yes. Matchups we've ever uh, had. This is going to be like, I'm already just kind of resigned. I'm already dead inside. <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's just going to be a little bit of a zombie in this process. Because mm. kind of, we're almost to the point now where you can't, you can't really use logic. To nope. make any of these decisions. No. It's as these are all movies that deserve to be champion in this in a type of thing like this. They're all winners. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a participation but in a, ribbon. But in a more realer sense, some of these are gonna be losers. <laughs> it's like that that Seinfeld episode where they're watching the uh the New York City Marathon, and uh, they're they're comparing George and Jerry are comparing each other. And like I am Costanza, king of the idiots, and there's this girl by the window, like you're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> like, a new contestant has <laughs> disappeared. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start this in the North region, as we have always done, and it's uh, the number one seed Jaws versus the number two seed Die Hard. <laughs> yep, Bound to that's happen. right, one to two. Maybe instead of being dead inside, I'm going to go with the punch drunk kind of reaction i'm just gonna laugh like the joker at all this chaos i think i've been depressed long enough mm-hmm. jaws versus john mcclain yeah right i think john mcclain could beat jaws well if roy scheider can beat jaws, yeah then i think john mcclain john mcclain could it yeah. probably would be like a 30 minute movie yeah <laughs> probably so he's gonna send something down under the water with a chum bucket right, right. Reads on the side uh now i have a harpoon gun. <laughs> yeah. And the shark just starts talking German. And like, yeah. He turns to one of the other sharks. Read about him in Time magazine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So comparing these two movies is nearly impossible. Like if you were to. This is this is I think like this is we were talking about how the guy centric this uh, bracket was and everything and all of our choices were and all that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is ultimate guy fantasy movies right here. Jaws and Die Hard. Yeah, like, pretty much. Know, like, you know, the date night, you know, your woman loses, kind of. I mean, <laughs> she doesn't like this type of movie. <laughs> your woman. Woman, we watch. <laughs> That's we right. Watch, we watch Die Hard or we watch Jaws. <laughs> it is up to you, but we watch one of them. Pretty much. You lose either way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe she likes Die Hard. I don't know. Just, do, do, I mean, women like Die Hard for sure. Yeah, it's got a strong female character. Not sure how much they like Jaws. 
Maybe they do. My wife likes Jaws. It's yeah. got a drunk female character. You know what? Yeah. That's probably one of those things where it's like 40% of women like Jaws, mm-hmm. and there's like another 60 or like don't give a fuck about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who knows? All Who I know knows? is we probably know enough about women to be making these guesses. Definitely. I'm sure. We totally make. We totally know enough. <laughs> Not having one female guest in our entire run. I just, I just, I just, I, can't, I don't think I've ever heard one woman I've ever known be like, yeah, Jaws or Die Hard. Yeah. You know, it's always yeah. been some other bullshit I don't like. Pride I and do. Prejudice. I do yeah. get an eye roll when I put on Die Hard, which is often in mm-hmm. my house. Mm-hmm. But with Jaws, usually like we can we can get behind it. Yeah. Okay, so I really I can't stand the is Die Hard a Christmas movie debate. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most useless wastes of our time and breath. <laughs> yes, it is on planet Earth. <laughs> it's like is a hot dog a sandwich? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste any effort on these useless, meaningless debates. But. I do watch Die Hard every Christmas, yep. and I get the eye roll from my wife. Mm-hmm. Now, it's partly because it's just kind of a stupid, I get a little bit chest thumpy around the house when I'm about to put on Die Hard. <laughs> I, get, I get a little bit McClaney, and uh, so she might be ri- rolling her eyes at that. Uh, I don't think she believes Die Hard is a Christmas movie. She might be rolling her eyes at that, mm-hmm. I, but I watch it at least once a year at Christmas, mm-hmm. and it. I think every time I find it even better than the last time. Like It, it yeah. never fails to entertain me, even though I know everything that's coming. Um, it's just both of these movies are freaking perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. I always watch Jaws on Fourth of July because <laughs> it usually comes on. Got a they weird are tradition. kind of holiday movies. Yeah, I mean that's what it's centered around. You want you want to see like a hot summer movie right around that that time. So I usually watch the hot dog eating contest. Mm-hmm. Follow that up with Jaws. Yeah, I think maybe where Die Hard lost its way completely and fully was when it stopped taking place at Christmas. Yeah, because yeah. the first two, in my opinion, are the best. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people like the third one. I, I, I like the third one, but they definitely started losing their way. That's coincidental, but none of those terrible movies are set at Christmas time. Yep. It was funny is that even in Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is like the just the dead he- you know heat of summer and everything, yeah. uh, he even he's even in that movie he somehow finds a way to have a Santa reference in yeah, Die Hard. Yeah. With <laughs> he's like, yeah. I was wondering if you saw a guy named Santa Claus around here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he oh yeah, he was a jolly old fella. <laughs> he's after he's killed the guy. Yeah. He was a jolly old fella. <laughs> um okay, so I don't think we need to debate this too much. So mm-hmm. where what what is our voting order here? Uh you're first. Chris. I am first. Okay. I thought about this one after we voted the last time, mm-hmm. once this matchup came up. And really what it it comes down to is what movie has any lull at all? And Jaws has the only one is the only movie of this group that has a lull in it. Mm. I love Jaws to death, but I'm voting Die Hard here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, mm strong i mean logic and reasoning whereas i flipped a coin a bunch of times to figure out how to vote on this one i also ended up on die hard i didn't didn't really flip a coin um but that was sort of my similar logic is Mm -hmm. that die hard uh once it starts churning it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. there's nothing there's no i got this is the time i can go to the bathroom or go get a snack like there's nothing that you don't want to see that's not propelling the action forward and in jaws i think there are a handful of scenes that just move slower um and not that that in and of itself is bad Mm -hmm. because i think that when they're on the water drinking and having that talk about the u.s indianapolis that's slow but Mm. it's certainly riveting yeah i don't mean that um but you know there are just moments that lull so Mm. i'm sorry jaws i'm sorry spielberg although (laughs) you're pretty well represented in the rest of the (laughs) brand yeah he's doing all right i was gonna vote jaws anyway i think it's 
a perfect movie mm-hmm. uh, from start to finish. It may have quieter times, but I don't think it's got lulls. And I mean, one of the quieter times is when Richard Dreyfus is examining the body. Now, why he's examining as an oceanologist or whatever he is, <laughs> why he's doing a fucking autopsy. Yeah, I know he wants to investigate the shark bites, but it's like, really? But that's the problem with, with this matchup, right? They're both perfect movies. Yes, mm-hmm. pretty much. There, there's nothing wrong with any of them, really, even though we've done everything wrong with on both of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I there was really just a matter of feel. Which movie do I see myself popping in more often between these two? Mm-hmm. And I would probably say Die Hard 55 times and then Jaws 45. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Die Hard's just a little bit more on the excitement tip. Jaws has more as far as like character development and that big that story that we keep coming back to. Yeah, it's got a lot of that stuff. Um, but football in the groin has a football in the. Groin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Um, oh, so yeah, I I don't like saying goodbye to Jaws. I don't like saying goodbye to half the field yeah. on these on these things. Yeah. But uh, one has to win. And I so- did enjoy saying goodbye to Rocky. That's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, that was just displacement. I wonder how far Dark Knight would have gone had it gotten probably past not much Rocky. further. Yeah. I mean, I I like I love Rocky, but I was pretty shocked that that beat the Dark Knight. So I guess, I'm guessing its chances wouldn't have been very good moving forward. Yeah, maybe. It, it does have some issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on to the East region where we have the number one seed, Children of Men, versus the two seed, City of God. <laughs> this is probably the hardest matchup of the day. I, it's I the one so. I've spent the most time agonizing over because I think these two could be in the final. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, this is, again, this is like a championship round right yeah. here. This is. I, I wish this was the championship. Right well, and that's what I was going to say is if one of them had somehow ended up on the other side of the bracket, I think we could very easily have come down to City of God versus Children of Men. And now one of them is going to be ushered unceremoniously yeah. back onto the bus for the long drive home. <laughs> um, and I don't know how I don't know how we're going to do this. I, I know which way I'm going to vote, but it's arbitrary. Well, I watched Children of Men just before this this uh, podcast. I had just seen City of God a couple of days before before this, um, uh, because I knew out of this bracket this was going to be all the hardest decisions. You had There Will Be Blood in there. You had City of God. You have Children of Men. Yeah, all these are movies that I consider the top three. And New Country for Old Men probably is in there too. No, they're in the top four of the past seventeen years yeah. mm. in this millennium or whatever. Um, so I had, I watched that this morning and I was the one thing that I noticed today. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think I just, just noticed it. It was something that just hit me watching this children of men is a miracle. Hmm. Like how in the world did he make this movie? Yeah. There's <laughs> a, the scene where he's going through the, the bombed out apartment complex Yeah, and he's, escorting you know the woman through with her baby and everything key key is her name uh and uh and he and it's it's all one shot but it's before he even gets into the apartment complex it's one shot there's like he's he's just standing outside he sees a bunch of people come out they all get blasted yeah Mm -hmm. then there's a big explosion just above that and then the camera whirls around Shows him go towards the apartment yeah. complex. Then he goes in it. And like every time he goes to somewhere, you can see something. The camera goes out. You see outside yeah. and you see some like other like amazing shit. Um, 
the the one guy I think Charlie Hunnam plays that's in that he's running around with his machine gun. Oh yeah, and and he's like going around, he's shooting, 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 and he's like he's shooting outside the window, and then all of a sudden you just see a spray of red. Yeah, go out and <laughs> yeah. and, and and then like and then they come all the way back up here, and it doesn't cut until he runs into Chiwetel Ejiofor at the top of the at the top of the thing. Doesn't cut until that moment. It's like an insane. Now maybe he cuts it somewhere, and I'm just yeah, but it's, it's not seamless. perceptible. Yeah, yeah, it's seamless um and the scene also where he he's like smuggling them out of that camp of the terrorist group or whatever i was sitting there thinking man you know there's some movies this is why i don't like so much cutting in movies Mm -hmm. when you see something in children of men like this where you see the camera go along and he's hiding behind the car and you see the two guys with the guns on the other side of the car and then he goes over and like as they walk away he goes and pulls that thing out of the hood and then he goes over to the other car and you can see those two guys at the end of the thing like the camera they never cut the entire time you see the guys at the very end of the thing and it and it it brings that much more tension to the scene when he he has to push the car. Yeah, yeah. He, he has to push it towards them. <laughs> I, I just, I think the movie is an absolute miracle. Like as far as like the the scenes in this, and this is yeah, this is why I don't like cutting in action movies because, um, as much as it does today, because it's such a cheat. It's a cheat to us, mm-hmm. the audience. When we are seeing like all this stuff cutting, 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 like yeah, we don't, you don't need to know where all these people are, or whatever. You watch this, watch any one of these action scenes in yeah. Children of Men, and you tell me that something from the Avengers or some shit is right. better than that. Well, the one shot in the car scene when they get attacked by the gang on the motorcycles, one thing that always stands out to me when I'm watching that is how well his use of a one take process makes use of what we're not seeing, mm-hmm. right? Because he spins around a couple times in that car, and there are times where I'm like, I can't see the motorcycle guys. How, how close are they getting? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the next time I see them, they're going to be on top of the yeah. car. And it's 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 as much about what we're not seeing in that one shot as it is what we are. And I think you're right. I think it's a miracle of a movie, and um, you know, he could be the next great, like 20, 30 years from now, if he has a Spielberg reputation, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, No, absolutely. and that's how you build tension. That's how Hitchcock did it. That's how Kubrick did it. That's how the, the great Scorsese does it. Like, building tension is not cutting away because that, that lets you off the hook, yeah. right? And even, we always talk about those action set pieces, but even when they, they finally get to Michael Caine's place mm-hmm. and he's kind of given a little bit of exposition backstory about, you know, everybody... And you see Clive Owen just kind of pouring himself a drink in the back. But out of focus, you see them just kind of interacting in in the side of the the frame and everything. Mm -hmm. And that, again, is showing you perspective instead of just focusing on his face and just like, you know, ignoring the rest of the action happening. Like he allows that to breathe and he allows that sort of uh, more global view uh, so that you know where you're at. And oh, man, it's almost like a dash of Robert Altman, isn't it? Oh, yeah, kind you know, of to where sort you of see the intertwining dialogue. Yeah, well, the kind of, you know, background people still matter, even if the mm-hmm. main thing we're supposed to look at is over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Altman just went full pedal to the metal on that <laughs> particular theory, and <laughs> yeah. I enjoy his movies. But, you know, with just a dash here and there, it goes a long way. I remember you saying something about Super 8 having a scene like that. Where the TV's on in the background. Yeah, and there's a there's like a he does a kind of a Spielbergian type of thing. It's not as much as I thought it was when I rewatched it later on. It's not as much as what Spielberg does, but 
Uh, Spielberg does this in Jurassic Park a couple of times and Jaws a couple of times where somebody is talking and then there's some other conversation going on at the same time. This is something a lot of people bring up about Spielberg when he does dialogue in movies. There's a in the Jurassic Park. It's the scene where they're all on they're they're on top of that thing and they're feeding the rat. I think they're feeding the raptors in that scene. I can't remember what it was, but but uh, somebody asks Richard Attenborough something. He starts talking, and then in the background, somebody else, like almost as clearly, just starts talking about something else. And oh. They're just both talking over each other. Um, but Super 8, I can't remember if it do- actually does it, but there's like, you can see stuff going on in the background yeah. as there's main action in yeah. the front. Um, back in 2006, um, I gave, cho- I was I, when I did like a top 10 list, I put Children of Men number two uh, behind United 93. If mm. I did this today, I would switch those two. Mm-hmm. Although when i was looking at the thing i was talking about children of men i said this is essentially number one i'm really just going by feel here yeah who knew 11 <laughs> years later i'd be doing the same type of thing where i'm yeah. going by feel on these movies although united 93 is awesome yeah it really is it's hard to watch and i don't ever find myself going i want to sit through that again yeah. right. it's fucking fantastic yeah 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 and uh and I, I i remarked also in that thing i was talking about how this movie didn't get any enough awards recognition it got nominated for three oscars mm-hmm. uh adapted screenplay mm. the cinematography which of course is gorgeous yeah and uh, I actually the editing was the other one. Oh, and, also good. Yeah, and, and, and for whatever reason, um, not enough awards attention for this movie. I'll never understand. If it came out today, yeah. it would it would have fifteen nominations yeah. probably. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it goes up against City of God here, yeah. which I have always been. I've been saying is the best movie of the last. You know, the best movie of the new millennium. I I have never wavered from that um and it and it, the problem is now i've watched these all these movies back to back yeah and it's like oh well this one has this kind of merit and this one has i mean there's not really any flaw that i can point at um yeah anyway what's our voting order uh, it's gonna be jeremy first. first yep yeah and i have said the same thing you just said about children of men mm-hmm. and i have not wavered and i'm gonna vote children of men and i'm ultimately gonna use the logic of the blend of sci-fi in mm. with what is just a great tense kind of chase mystery movie thriller, if you will. Um, and, you know, I'm basically knocking City of God for not taking place in the future. But um, <laughs> both of these movies, in my opinion, uh, should have had a shot at the title. And yeah. uh, we can only have one. There can be only one. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going I'm going uh, Children of Men. All right. Speaking of not letting you off the hook, neither of these movies let you off the hook. No. No. City of God is pedal down the entire time, and you feel like everybody could die at any second. Um, and you kind of feel that, especially towards you know the, the second half of Children of Men, mm-hmm. especially when they're getting into that war zone. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. Because everything is, the stakes are raised, but then by the time they get on that bus with, you know, and get off with Sid and everything, there's no way out. There's only one way out, and it's the way that it just happened to fall for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and City of God has has that with a less singular perspective. We were talking about it before. Like, you don't necessarily, like, it'll cut back and forth between your main character's perspective, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Again, Knockout Ned doesn't show up until forever into it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking because I haven't made up my mind yet. So. <laughs> well, um, and in that regard, City of God is a perfect name for the movie because it's it's really about 
the hood, mm-hmm. not any one single gangster or hoodlum. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Children of Men. Okay. Wow. Um, because, man, it, we talk about the, the action set pieces, rightfully so, but there's all that glue that holds it together it's the peanut butter of the sandwich like all that peanut butter is just terrific mm-hmm. with humor and pathos and all that stuff and yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. children yeah. of men mm-hmm. children That's of men obviously we'll move on i uh, i was actually going to vote children of men as well oh. wow um after watching it though i was like okay what is the real difference between these two movies as far as quality is concerned Hmm. not not much they're no. both amazing um the only thing about children of men that i think it that goes uh, over city of god is emotional resonance hmm. yeah that's the only the only thing it has over it yep. city of god is an exhilarating movie but i don't know if by the end of it you're going to be feeling sort of a you know any particular way there's two moments at the end of children of men where they're taking the baby down the stairs and everybody's you know like you know looking at it upon of course it's like a jesus allegory Mm -hmm. but like the when the soldier is the soldier says uh you know cease fire cease fire just chills yeah and uh and then later on when they're on the boat of course what's a day and uh all that and he's shot and and uh and dying yeah he's dying he's telling the telling the mom how to like hold the baby and like pat Mm -hmm. and all that it's like you know he's like oh the the boat is here the boat is here and everything and it's just oh my god it's so it's so good and that's i think that's what ended up selling me Mm -hmm. the 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 action scenes I'd always talked about, but I never really during this entire period of time really talked about its emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. And then this recent viewing really just pulled that through. He yeah. gets shot a long time before that boat scene. Yeah. He really like white knuckles that shit mm-hmm. out. And it's it's a triumph of the human spirit. Well, that's what right? I think the movie is saying is that he he only lives as long as he does through willpower mm-hmm. there at the end. And he gets his vac exactly as far as he needs yeah. to to have done his job and then gives out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like the idea that he was powering through with some kind of supernatural well, maybe not supernatural, but superhuman kind mm-hmm. of concentration I, yeah i think that is actually believable and yeah. oh, yeah. that that somebody could have the adrenaline to just kind of like you know let soldier through and then when things come to a lull you're all right now That's your it. body is yeah. is ready you 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 know the boat's coming you know you're gonna you know the baby's gonna be called dylan yeah that's the yeah, other yeah. part of it that gets you too he's like i'm gonna call the baby dylan it can work for a girl too <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know it's so great so yeah children of men moves on i didn't think it would be unanimous but uh, i didn't either um, i actually wow. had an inkling it would lose so i'm shocked now that's the one seed right Children of Men is the number one seed, yes. So it's one versus two in that. Yeah, so the final four in that will be Children of Men versus Die Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's a perfect encapsulation of how insane this bracket is. Yes, it is. It really is as bizarre as any matchup we're going to (laughs) have. Yep. On to the South region where we have the number one seed Schindler's List versus the two seed Pulp Fiction. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, two entirely different movies. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Where you know yeah. where we've had somewhat similar uh, matchups so far, yeah. this is not similar <laughs> in uh, in any way. The only thing similar about these movies is they were they came out in the same time period. Yeah, they really did. That was a pretty good. Well, it was one year apart, right? One year, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Well, I've said multiple times that my first viewing of Schindler's List was mildly interrupted by some foreplay going on near mm. me uh, because so. that's the type of movie that gets you going mm. well it was kind of in reflection i don't think either one of them really wanted to see that movie i think they just came because we had a double date movie planned and this <laughs> is what my girlfriend and i wanted to see and so maybe they never had the intention of watching it i don't know it was awkward uh but on subsequent viewings i've been able to kind of appreciate the movie without people nearby putting mm. their hands down on somebody else's pants and <laughs> yes uh, that's yeah. the power of teenage hormones, man. I'm telling you. I mean, I, it's not like I didn't ever made out in a movie. I just didn't make out in Schindler's List. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, you build, you know how to pick the right movie. Oh, this one's going to be boring. Let's yeah, go yeah. see this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Schindler's List and then Pulp Fiction. God, they're both just. I think if I hadn't had that experience, I would be saying that both of them gave me a wow theatrical experience the first time I saw them. And one was exhilaration, and one was just deep. Mm -hmm. right like again I, I said this before but i don't think i don't think i ever had many visuals growing up to put with the stories of the holocaust uh, so I, I only knew the logic of it i didn't know the horrors of it uh, and this movie definitely doesn't shy away from that mm -hmm. at all uh you know not that pulp fiction shies away from anything because uh, <laughs> if it's crazy and violent it's in pulp fiction yes <laughs> yes indeed um yeah comparing these two movies is again just impossible it's weird yeah um schindler's list obviously has like all this dramatic weight and pulp fiction has all this uh here's the possibility of cinema mm. weight to it where you know it you know it was considered like super considered really influential but mm -hmm. but all the movies that tried to be like pulp fiction were horrible failures i'll tell you what my theory is on that because it itself is an homage to other movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just perfectly placed together. It's like a found art exhibit. There's right? really Almost. only one guy who has all this kind of movie information yeah. in his head. Yeah. And everybody, and, if you're imitating the imitation, yeah. then it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah. We talked about those imitations before. Two Days in the Valley was one. Uh the uh was it uh, Smoke and Aces. Things Smoke, to do in Denver when you're dead. Things to yeah. do in Denver when you're dead was another one. Uh, they tried to make these like big, huge cast uh, crime movies mm -hmm. and, like right after that. And they just none of them ever did anything worth. You can't watch those movies really again. No, I did watch Two Days in the Valley again. Well, <laughs> you know what? Charlize Theron is yeah. a very good reason to watch Two Days in the Valley. I don't remember her being in it. Yeah, yeah. I have no knowledge It's of hard that. to it's remember so that. It's hard to remember that. Um, but yeah, no, when you get an expert like that, and that's why for you guys that have like this ridiculous expansive movie knowledge that somebody, you know, that's into movies would be like, oh yeah, I know that and everything. But when you have an elevated knowledge of it, that you can call upon to do like an outtakes and, and sins videos and things like that. It just makes it so much better than if just a normal Joe is like, eh, I like movies. I'll try that too. It just doesn't work. And that's the same thing with Tarantino because he's got such a firm grasp on dialogue. He's got such a firm grasp on history and a lot of the stuff that you haven't seen before, you know, black exploitation stuff, pulp stuff. Yeah. The stuff that's not out in the general consciousness. The you know? vast majority of his references are stuff that the public consciousness has not. It, they don't even know he's referencing anything yeah. because the movies are so obscure. Well, but Hollywood keeps doing this. Mm -hmm. They always learn the wrong lesson. We talked about this with Die Hard 
a week or a podcast or two ago about how, except for maybe Under Siege, which is kind of dated now, they, they missed the point of what made Die Hard great. Yep. Um, and it's the same with Lord of the Rings. They go, oh, people want fantasy. No, people wanted Lord of the Rings from a filmmaker who was a Tolkien geek. Yeah. And that's what they got. Yeah. There was no indication fantasy was the new it. Uh, and so it's just it's just repeating itself. Tarantino is singular. He yeah. is such a unique artist that imitating uh, fast talking dialogue with lots of cussing. Well, that's not going to get you Tarantino. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just it, like you said, it's a copy of a of of a copy that's really paying homage it's just impossible yeah uh, and and you know tarantino I, I i get the the vibe on these like a lot of the movies that he really enjoyed in the 70s were st- stuff that i probably wouldn't enjoy if i just right watched it or whatever yeah, but yeah, he, yeah. he he found something in those movies but it it's not too far off from what i feel about with some of the obscure movies i saw in the 90s when i was first working in a movie theater and mm. like a lot of the stuff that came in obviously was garbage, but sometimes you would get something that was like, whoa, nobody's watching this. You yeah. know, it's okay. I can see why people aren't watching this, yeah. but but <laughs> I love it. Why aren't more people loving this? Yeah. You know, some movie like a no escape would come out, you know, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, whoa, this movie's actually pretty good. But like nobody's watching it. Um, uh, it's kind of like, I feel like that's the way he was in the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, like all these like Sonny Chiba movies and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and stuff like that. But all right. So, we have uh, a, a difficult choice here. I, I, I'm i kind of interested to see how this will go. Yeah. Who's first? I am. Yeah, it's Barrett. Um, probably no surprise. I'm going to pick Pulp Fiction. Uh, I think we've talked about its relevance, but it's just, it's so rewatchable. Like, and you made a great point, Chris, in the last episode, because I was thinking, and Jeremy, I agreed that the butch stuff is where it kind of sags and then where it goes into the pawn shop and, and that kind of thing. And you mentioned that, you, you dug that because it took it up to a whole fucking bonkers other level. Mm-hmm. And when I rethought about it, you're, you're absolutely right. Because, yes, they could have gotten off easy and that could have been the end of Butch's story and everything because that's the last part of the movie, essentially, yep. uh, chronologically. Uh, and you could have gone into the, the whole restaurant thing and everything. But because it goes there, that that's what makes Tarantino Tarantino. So I think stuff like that, taking it up a notch, shooting Marvin in the face scripture quoting all kinds of crazy shit man that's that's why i have to vote for this. i do want to say man. the pawn shop scene has one of my favorite dialogue free moments in all of film when butch <laughs> is deciding which weapon to take downstairs yeah because yeah. you just you're that that is just perfect you follow his thought process you don't need any dialogue the camera turns at exactly the right time finally he settles on the samurai sword because of course a pawn shop has a samurai sword <laughs> and Next i'm to the not even joking that would be there <laughs> yeah anyway so I, I wanted to at least defend it on that point because uh that moment's just brilliant yeah um I, you know, I really don't know. I know that Schindler's List has the most dramatic weight, but I think Pulp Fiction is the better movie. So wow. I'm going to go Pulp Whoa. Fiction. Wow. Yeah. I, I thought I was upset. out on a ledge. <laughs> I was going to vote Schindler. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to throw that emotional resonance logic back in your face from yeah. the last decision. But the difference between this matchup and that matchup is that there's hardly any difference between Children of Men and City of You're God. Right. So what, what criteria do you have to pick? to say one's better than the other and you mm-hmm. focus on one thing and it's unfair but you focus on one thing no i was just and then mess with you. no 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 <laughs> i i understand and it was and here it's one of these things schindler's list 
as great as it is, as dramatic as it is, there's nothing new being done there. Mm. We've seen epics before. We've seen tons of three-hour, you know, great epics and everything. It's not, it's not breaking any new ground mm. as far as a movie is concerned. Yeah, 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 yeah. As far as content, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction may not be breaking any new ground because we're talking about imitation and everything, but it's such it's done in such a slam bang way. Mm-hmm that it's hard to ignore it in a situation like this. Well, and I think he makes so many different, pulls so many different styles and references that he makes something new out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, we casually calling it an imitation, but, you know, I think he's so diverse in the movies he chose to emulate that he creates a whole new thing out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I don't like, you know, casting away Schindler's List yeah. for any reason. Yeah, you do. You you hate people. I do. I do. <laughs> Um, oh my god! I just shot Marvin in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, One of the most shocking moments when you first watch it, and they ever. give they have no regard for his life. <laughs> it is instantly about how fucking stupid are you? Yeah. You got to get off the road. But Marvin, they give no second thoughts. I will say, hit a bu- I didn't hit no goddamn bump. I will say it is fucking crazy. Nobody sees that. I shit. know yeah. they're I know. driving down a pretty busy road, man. I think they're on the Pacific Coast can you, Highway. Can you imagine? Like you probably are behind that car, right? And then the big, huge blood spray shows up on the back. I gotta call my friend Jimmy in Toluca Lake. <laughs> And it comes right after Travolta says, what do you think? You think God came down and stopped the bullets and turns around and bam. I mean, that's, uh, that's just fucking crazy. All right, on to our last matchup and oh. to the final four here mm. in the West region. Number one seed, Back to the Future versus the two seed, The Matrix. This, this is, is also it. very This is it right here. All oh. the marbles. Yes, yes, it is. Oh, Jesus. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. Um, this is one I've probably been thinking about since we've got the we've had the match mm-hmm. because I I like what criteria am I gonna have to go after on this right. to to say one's better than the other? Long long been my go to movie when somebody asks who what's your favorite movie? Also, The Godfather is in that discussion mm-hmm. as well but that's you know godfather's 1972 so fuck you godfather yeah, yeah we, we weren't alive we weren't alive count. then um but uh but yeah back to the future um just generally just generally one of the the funnest and you know best type of time travel movies that you could ever think of yeah and we talked about we talked about it before um and i don't never really went back to look at this but it is a sort of a miracle this movie was made the way it was Mm -hmm. not just the eric stoltz to michael j fox thing uh it's the fact that bob zemeckis like i know bobby Bobby i think it's because every time i read this story about back to the future somebody's like yeah bob zemeckis went in there and blah 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 so robert zemeckis and bob gale who were behind back to the future wanted to do it a different way yeah. and then the studio kind of came in and said uh, no yeah and that could have been i mean that could have been a horrible choice but it it turned out to be a great choice because what i've read about what it was supposed to be yeah it wouldn't have been a well idea. there's a lot of elements of back to the future 2 that were supposed to be in one. Oh yeah yeah because marty was supposed to go back and his motivation was to get the gambling book oh and, okay the the almanac so that he could make a ton of money so basically what happened was the first one was a hit and then they said all right we've got <laughs> carte blanche to do that same movie that we wanted to do before i was pondering this choice and came up with a lot of inconsequential similarities between these movies all right uh they both shot their sequels back to back yes they did 
they both ha- originally had somebody else cast in the lead role. Will Smith was originally going to play Neo. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what was the third one? My conclusion Man, is gone. I, you know what? I think you brought that up before about Will Smith. And I don't know if I've ever really thought about him being in that role before, but would change a lot. I can get would, behind it. It would. I can too. Yeah. If he gives it, us an "I Am Legend" Will Smith performance uh-huh. and not an Independence Day, one. it's not one of those things where they say, "Well, they had Tom Selleck as you know." <laughs> <laughs> Tom Selleck might have been fine. Awesome. Tom Selleck might have been fine. <laughs> He's all hacking into shit and like chasing after women in a club. He could have been okay. The only guy with the mustache. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that shit? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's one that I could actually sit there and go, yeah, I could I could see that, but we wouldn't have the whoa, yeah. and we wouldn't have a lot of the things that kind of like give the Matrix that not only a not only a polished A movie feel, but also a B movie kind of feel because Keanu's in it and yeah. everything. Uh, but um, yeah, man. Uh, Two movies that, uh, man, one, one is ah, back to the future, I guess is, is all about fun. The matrix is a little bit about fun, but it's asking you to, to consider your life and consider yep. your, uh, you know, that there might be some other reality out there. Man, if you go high concept and deliver, it's going to be up there in our lists, right? Yep. I mean, Time travel versus, you know, the uh, uh, synthetic world right. run by machines. But then, you know, we were talking about Ex Machina last time. Ex Machina does those huge themes, but is lacking that action. It's a brilliant movie, but yeah. it's lacking that populist type of thing to make it a fun movie going experience. You know, mm-hmm. and both of these have that out the ass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, two of my three or four favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I'm yeah. not really going to sit here and da- bag on either one of them because uh, they're both awesome. This vote could go any direction. I'm unprepared for it. I'll tell you what's interesting, though. If The Matrix wins, we will have four rated R movies. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Die Hard, Children of Men, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. We There's like the adult weird shit. math about this bracket. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is strange. Right now, we're just at triple R. <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh boy are we ready to vote i think we are who's first it's chris again isn't it yeah it's chris first it's me okay so yeah like i said i had a, I, as soon as this matchup came up i was like all right what are the merits of both of these movies you know one movie uh, is near and dear to my childhood i watched it on a vhs copy a billion times one was a the other one is a movie that came out of nowhere mm-hmm. to me like i didn't think it was going to be a good movie when i saw the trailer right even though the the stuff in it was kind of cool i didn't think it was going to be good at all turns out to be a great great movie of course the sequels of both of these movies sort yeah. of like ugh, make oh they're so they're so bad compared oh to that the was original. my third point I oh, the yeah. sequels both uh were kind of bad yeah exactly <laughs> Um, when considering what's the best movie though, I'm going to have to go with the, the movie that makes you think the most and it's the matrix. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. I did not expect that. (laughs) I have much respect for you, Chris, because you love the back to the future. And I was actually going to argue matrix should win because just like Pulp Fiction. And again, I'm not throwing these reasons back in your face. You just keep coming up with good reasons or, 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 
hinge points and mm. and I want to steal them the next time. Mm-hmm. But like it innovates more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, for as great, I think Pact of the Future is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. It's thrilling. It's got tense moments. It's funny as hell. Um, but what are we seeing cinematically from a filmmaking perspective that is as new as what the Matrix filmmakers gave us when they, they basically, like I said before, they invented a camera rig to do a stunt. When Neo goes down on that roof, you don't, you're not expecting that shit. Mm-hmm. It might have been in the trailer, but it's just jaw dropping and nobody had ever done it because nobody had ever taken the time to build their own camera rig to achieve some sort of impossible shot. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it is trying to ascend a little more and that's why I would it just so happens to be my favorite movie of all time. Um, but man, I can't believe you did that. I, I would, respect you. I don't think I would have ever considered the matrix. One of my top whatevers of mm-hmm. all time. I don't think I've ever considered it that I've always considered it a very great movie that, you know, it's somewhere in the list top 50 of movies I've seen or yeah. whatever. But every time it keeps coming up against these movies, I'm like, Matrix is better than that. It's a Matrix flick chart is better thing. Than that. Yeah, Matrix yeah. is better than that. Um, <laughs> and that is, of course, again, how I arrived at calling The Matrix my favorite movie was that flick chart yeah, thing. Yeah. It, kept, it kept beating everything it came up against. Yeah. And I was like, well, that must be my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, I don't, I don't think I watched this movie a million times either. It's just that there are so many things about it to me that are... You know, there there's the entertainment level. The Wachowskis doing incredible things in a big studio picture that you yeah. never get to see, uh, and just the just the very nature of our existence and everything does it so well and in a fun way. The Matrix tends to just you know have a lot of edges on movies mm-hmm. when it goes into these little competitions like that. Yeah. So, anyway. Wow. Well, if if it had come down to me, I was going to base it on the best final song <laughs> and that well, was that would be the matrix that's well still the matrix. no no not necessarily because i love me some back in time no back yeah, in time does see, not stand up rage against the machine are you crazy i am not crazy oh no i love pop- a better song than back in time okay arguably but it's a great last song all right. On the movie. All right. I put in a Huey Lewis cassette the other day, man. I was fucking jamming out to it. Mm-hmm. But having said that, yes, the placement and the da 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 of Rage Against the Machines. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's good. Yeah. Wake up. Wake yeah. up. And that song is about um, uh, social unrest and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's perfectly yeah. placed. Yeah. Yeah. All of their songs are deep, man. Yeah. They're all about something political. Huey Lewis's song was also about Malcolm yeah. X. Yeah. His, like, uh, Hip to be Square is actually about Nixon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Watergate song. There's <laughs> a lot of subversive it's like, stuff. <laughs> I'm gonna total. I'm gonna totally butcher this, but Thirty Rock had a had an episode with Carrie Fisher on it, where uh, she was like this old satirical writer or something like that, and Tina Fey goes to meet her for some sort of like you know inspiration. I don't remember what the whole episode was about. But like I said, I'm going to butcher butcher this, but it was something to the point of like they used to do these political cartoons and like and like these political cartoons that didn't make any sense whatsoever. Mm. And it was like we did this thing with the mailbox or whatever. And it's like the mailbox was Gerald Ford. And everybody's (laughs) like, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) Nobody knows what the fuck is going on with this thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So uh, did. Okay, so Jeremy, aren't you were going to say uh, Matrix? You were going to say Matrix. Yes. Okay, all right, that's it. Unanimous. Wow. wow, we did all these unanimously, right? 
Children of Men. Uh, one of them was another. No, one. Oh, I you voted had Schindler's, Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that that uh, means the final four matchup will be Pulp Fiction versus The Matrix. Oh yeah. Um, I so feel like that's a good matchup. That is a good now, matchup. That is that is two movies that are at least in the same universe. You're gonna have a hard time giving the edge to one of them based on trying to ascend or innovation or being something we hadn't seen before. Yeah. <laughs> Those will not be points we can use in this debate. <laughs> yeah. So again, our final four is Die Hard versus Children of Men and Pulp Fiction versus The Matrix. Wow. Wow. That wow. is uh, some heavy headers. Right it's there. hard R. It's I very wonder hard if R. there is any fan out there who called this. I don't know. I don't, how, know. I don't know how we could ever prove it, right? Because at this point you could probably just fake it there's a couple of well we've gotten a lot that have been submitted to us earlier so we could go back and check the tapes all right yeah I we've would like got to do that. Uh, three two seeds here and uh -huh. one one seed. that's nice. actually interesting because mm -hmm. we were all i think we all have been trying our best to on the honor system to just vote what we truly think is the better movie mm -hmm. and we were kind of disappointed we ended up with one and two for the elite eight all the way across the board but i'm surprised that three two seeds ended up making the final yeah game. i was a little disappointed in that too because i thought there were some 12s and 13s in there Shawshank. You know, yeah shawshank was one but um but i i do think that there there were some in there that i looked at i was like those that could really conceivably go all the way and then they would just go into a matchup that was just yeah, it was it was tough to justify. Or it's because there's three people in this room, and right. there's going to be a two like a two to one scenario mm -hmm. type of thing. Whereas you know a lot of times you got fifty people, it would be a completely different. Oh matter. yeah, right, right. Um. So anyway, that's our final four, wow. and um, that's gonna be that's gonna be some some fun times. Yeah, I'm uh, this is four movies. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to watch them all between now and the next taping. Nice. Just to keep them all fresh. Well, they're all really awesome movies to and watch. And also, so I'll have new <laughs> new tidbits about them to say when we discuss them again, since we've talked about them all it's like It's probably a good times. idea for all of us to watch those movies again, so yeah. that we have a little bit more to talk about. Although, you just watched Children of Men. I did. We could probably excuse you on I'll that I'll probably <laughs> watch the other three. And I've seen Die Hard a million times, and I've seen Pulp Fiction a million times. Matrix might be the one out of this group that I haven't seen more than ten times. Mm -hmm. But that's still a lot. Uh, You've seen Children of Men that many times? No, you're right. Children of Men is one that I have not. I've only but, I mean, seen it three or four times. Yeah, but it's so dense that like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not something that you just regularly. You need some on. strawberry fields weed before you get into that. <laughs> but uh, what I meant was, out of the three remaining, oh, were yeah, the yeah. ones that I'd seen uh, a million pull times. Pull my finger. <laughs> pull my finger. Right. Come on, pull my finger. Who was it? That, was it last night that somebody said that Neil deGrasse Tyson said The Matrix was his favorite movie of all time? It was, uh, yeah, I think it was yesterday. I've heard him say that before. Wait a minute. Have so you really? Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm, that's a. I mean, I think the Matrix is probably a lot of people's. You know, number. I had one. honestly never heard it before Jeremy said that. Um, but I've seen I did, at the time there was a lot of people that said, you know, this is up there. Mm -hmm. But I think it has lost the the sheen what over has? the years. The Matrix. Oh man, well it's know. lost the sheen because of the sequels. Mm -hmm. Because the first one promises so much, yeah. and then they don't. They don't really follow that guidebook that they set with the first one. Exactly. Those other two, like, you know, those that sort of, I, I man, the thing about those other two is I really get disappointed in Zion. Oh, yeah. And, and it uh, becomes just this, you know, bullet fest. At yeah. The end, and that's yeah. It. Well, and yeah, that whole that whole scene with him and. Yeah, it's Rubber Neo and the the Billion Smiths after he talks to the Oracle and everything yeah. is a, is just an awful. Scene. It's a I will mess. say the fight in the Merovingian's mansion on the stairway yep. is 
fucking phenomenal. Well, if they had thrown some more like type of baddies like that's in that scene, yeah, uh, throughout instead of just being basically projections by yeah. the end yeah. of it, yeah. um, it would have been it would have been fine. I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, it would have been still. There's some things that would have been fucked up. But I actually I didn't mind that scene with the architect. I thought that was a, a, no. Interesting that's a, that's fine because it puts you in a weird headspace. But it is also perfectly parodied by uh, that will, will yes. is awesome <laughs> yes awesome. He keeps putting in the visa v's in there and all that i think there's actually plenty of like in both of them that they're just not good yeah uh, and it's not i'm not often going to watch a movie straight through just for a couple of good scenes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but they are they are there they just i think i think what happened was the wachowski's thought about these scenes the burly brawl with the rubber neo and the mansion fight and the mm. semi-truck thing and and then tried to write a script around it mm-hmm didn't work very well yeah the key master they should have had the key master played by rick moran yes they should have they should have <laughs> i'm looking for love, the gatekeeper <laughs> i do love when she goes i need the program to drive at whatever motorcycle or hotwire or whatever the motorcycle and he holds up a key and she goes you are handy <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh on to the uh the questions yeah we're just gonna run through we're gonna these, be a baby. question heavy episode yeah it's gonna be fun question question i got something to say I am listening. Thanks for submitting your questions. These are all good things. Good things. Mazel, mazel, good I've things. I've got a question. Are there, there's at least five questions about Catherine Watterson and Inherent Vice, right? I put those those cards right next to your desk. <laughs> yeah. Catherine yeah. Watterson's going to be in Alien Covenant. Yeah, she is. Yeah. But still looks awful. Yeah. Somebody got really pissed at me in, um, uh, yeah. in SoundCloud that yeah. uh, the Alien Covenant trailer looks awesome. Oh, somebody got pissed at me. Somewhere might have been Twitter, might have been SoundCloud about ragging on the circle. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Have you seen its Rotten I, Tomato score? Yeah. This morning it's at thirty-eight percent. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I turned to my wife and I was like, "Can I pick him or can I pick him?" <laughs> I knew that was going to be a flaming turd. Anyway, well, that was funny because that person uh, mentioned that the director was so had such a great track record. Well, what I remember was it was a critically acclaimed book. He seemed to be mm-hmm. mad that we were slamming the movie, even though the book was acclaimed. And I get that. If you liked the book, you're excited about the movie, you're going to defend it, what have you. But I just just going on the trailer and it looked like Antitrust 2 with new faces <laughs> and it sounds like that's what it is. But past success is no indicator of directing. I, I think I, I pointed to the example of Colin Trevorrow and uh, Guy Ritchie and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, no, doesn't always work out. Nope, not necessarily. Yeah, Charlie I mean, had him running his, in place. His career, I mean, the spectacular now is a good movie, and he did the end of the tour, which was really yeah. good. But yeah, I mean, yeah, past success does not mean, especially when they they pick you to be uh, the director of this big movie. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you go. I mean, we've seen indie directors go to the the mainstream, and a lot of times they're just not allowed to do what the, they normally do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, they get handcuffed a bit. I mean, I will obviously always lean on the side of watching the movie first, but it doesn't look good. No, no, it doesn't. All right. First question, baby. Oh, give me the cue. What is your favorite? So over the top, ridiculous. It's awesome moment from an action movie. I like that. That kind of qualifier. Mm-hmm. For example, the scene in the Bourne Identity when Bourne shoots a guy in the head while falling down a flight of stairs and survives by using a body to break his fall. That is a great one. Well, <laughs> it is maybe the most over-the-top moment in all of the Bourne movies. Yeah. Uh, not believable at all. <laughs> I struggled with this question because I wanted to be true to its intent, mm-hmm. and I wanted to find something that was over-the-top. Because like, my first answer was in Terminator 2 when that semi breaks through the concrete wall to jump down and keep chasing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blew my fucking mind when I first saw it, but that's not so much over the top. 
mm-hmm. right? I guess I'm talking. I'll just go ahead and give my answer. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with the, the finale of Iron Monkey. Mm. Now, <laughs> Iron Monkey is a kung fu movie that, uh-huh. that much like Crouching Tiger, uh, suggests there's some mystical elements to where they can almost seem to fly at times or you know levitate or what have you. Um, I love the movie and it's got great Kung Fu action all the way through. But at the very end, they end up in this, it's like some sort of a laundry facility where there are all these wooden poles stuck in the ground. There's dozens of them Mm. and they're about five feet tall and a fire starts underneath and they're all balancing. The two good guys and the emperor bad guy are balancing on these burning wooden poles that are slowly burning up and breaking and cracking and they have to turn and it is so over the top. They like, they kick burning poles at each other. They jump and land on their hand on a pole and balance. And it's just, it's the most balls out crazy thing in the entire movie. Jesus. Uh, and I was, it's one of the few movie scenes I was literally just giggling with joy <laughs> as I watched it. Because it just, as, the crazier it got, the more I was loving it. Anyway, so that was my answer for that one. Well, the one time that I've literally heard an entire theater gasp was uh, in The Dark Knight. Throw some Dark Knight. Oh, nice. way. Mm. Uh that whole underground uh, semi-trailer chase. Oh, yeah. And when finally Batman gets the upper hand and flips the the thing, it stops on a dive. Oh, it's a great Right scene. over. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. But the gas moment is when he takes the bat cycle, goes over, stops it on a dime, flips it over, and just stops. Yeah. yeah. And everybody just went, Ooh. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he goes up the wall of that building yeah. and then turns around. Oh, my God. It was awesome. And, I mean, that... Just the, 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 the truck alone would have been enough, but that little stinger on the end just all oh, made it over the What top I love it. about that, that whole sequence, and again, it, it, the editing leaves a lot to be desired yeah. of that particular sequence, but I actually love when that, when that bike comes out of the Batmobile after it's crashed, because uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not expecting that at all. Like, and oh, he's still got another useful vehicle, and then it starts doing tricks, and yeah. the wheel can turn. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's freaking awesome. So I totally get that one. That was good. Um, I think I've mentioned this one before, although when I, when I answered this question and, and whatever, I was, I was going to talk about the Mad Max Fury Road one that at the beginning, the chase scene, oh, yeah. uh, but I've talked about this one before uh, the it's, it's in Ongbok and it's oh. the, it's the, um, it's the chase scene throughout the, like the little, uh, city or yeah. whatever. And there's a, there's a point where Tony jaw, like. Uh, jumps through a car with windows down oh, and yeah. there's like three different angles of it so they actually had to set up like three cameras to get this stunt you know <laughs> whatever he jumps through and it's all in like you know uh, the first time you see it it's all in one take he's running he's running and he just jumps through these two these two things there's a point where he's like cornered and he jumps on top of people's heads <laughs> and starts yeah, running yeah. away <laughs> and there's like a point where he like he climbs walls it's kind of like what we saw with jackie chan mm-hmm. and everything like doing the little getting up uh-huh. sort of the parkour type of thing or mm-hmm. whatever uh but that scene is amazing yeah, and it's uh, you talk about some over the top man it's like so this isn't necessary <laughs> but keep going yeah, keep going that, that whole movie's like that yeah it it's really like is. kung fu on crack yeah yeah those are the like the unexpected moments are the ones that really kill you because I mean I, what I thought about is putting Tom Cruise on the side of the plane in, oh, in yeah. Rogue Nation, yeah. mm-hmm. but the whole trailer not only the whole trailer is based on that, but he had like a featurette in like oh, movie yeah. theaters before then about how he did that. So when by the, by the time you actually watch the movie, it's like oh, it becomes like oh what he's hanging on the outside I actually of a considered plane. Yeah. naming a scene from that movie at the end when he's underwater oh uh, yeah because that i don't think we was spoiled with a feature editor and i remember that 
scene had me holding my breath as he's spinning around just trying to grab that fucking yeah. thing. Hold his breath that whole time. Jesus. And he's actually holding his breath yeah. for like six minutes he or something like that. He learned how to do that, it because right? yeah. that's what Tom yeah, Cruise that's does. that's what Tom Cruise does. <laughs> that's, that's how he's he do. He's basically the Chuck Norris of actors at this point, right? <laughs> they should make Chuck, Chuck Norris jokes about Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. If you could choose any movie from the past and had it remade today with today's special effects, oh. which movie would you choose? Now, here's my headspace on this. I chose a movie that I would like to see today's special effects in that movie, not necessarily that it would be remade totally from I scratch. See. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, so I may be cheating a little bit with the intent of it, but that's just kind of how I read it. Um, and I have a very specific example. Um, the movie Air Force One was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Right? It had great leads. You had Harrison Ford. You had Gary Oldman chewing up stuff. And it was a lot of fun. It was it was just an action adventure. And everything about it was fine. This was 97, 98? 97. 97. But the plane crash at the end oh, yeah. looks like what you could do on like Corel Draw <laughs> in, in 1997. It, I, don't, I don't know what happened. It's like, really bad. It's, it's awful. One the, it's one of the all-time worst special effects. <laughs> it's, like it's off-sided. I don't know why like this otherwise perfectly fine movie, enjoyable movie, has to end with this. And mm-hmm. this is uh, Wolfgang Peterson, right? Yep. And I just, for whatever reason, like if you could put like an actual believable plane crash, it's not even important really to the thing. Everybody's out of there basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could put that in there, it would make that movie 20% better probably. Yeah. So that's my pick. Um, you know, it's weird to me, this question, because I feel like in a way, most movies that you would apply this to have at least already been remade or rebooted. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I was sitting there thinking, maybe the Terminator. No, we've seen modern day Terminator. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the thing. No, we've seen the modern day <laughs> thing. Um, I went through a whole line of it, just like tons of movies that have. And I feel like the reboots are important too, even though they're not the same. They're not remake of the original movie. You kind of know what the what that would look like, and I don't really like modern day effects mm-hmm. that much. Um, really the only movies that haven't been rebooted yet is back to the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't really know if there's much I would change about the effects that were in that. I mean, there, you can tell it's like the eighties and everything. So I guess you could really, you could spruce them up if you wanted to. Um, and then I was thinking maybe along the lines of 2001, but the practical effects in that are really good. And, and even the light show is practical. Yeah. And, uh, so I don't know if there's a good answer to this. Like mm-hmm. almost everything that you could come up with has had a reboot or a later sequel where we've seen the effects. And I don't know if I want to put those effects in. Like even if it's a cheesy ass, like horrible, like like Terminator and uh, Alien both have uh, those classic uh, moments where like they have the the fake head. Mm-hmm. And then, like the 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 scene cuts, and it's the real head. Yeah, yeah. so clearly the like a, a switch. <laughs> yeah, that it's awful. <laughs> but I don't know if I would put today's effects in those. Like it, I mean, I guess I guess those movies in particular could be spruced up. Well, the Terminator like, and Alien. Yeah, what I immediately thought of was the original versions of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you know, you could really clean up a lot of that stuff. The rancor, but he did it. He already did it in those late nineties, you know, special editions. Those still are twenty years old. Those effects. Yeah, but I like. I think the only way to tackle this question is the way you did it, mm-hmm. and that's the way I'm going to do it. And and I actually am choosing one that has been rebooted, 
But I want to see the, I just want to see somebody take today's effects and put it over the movie that exists and it's Total Recall. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, again, pushes a lot of great action, sci-fi, high concept buttons for me, but the effects more than almost any movie I watch regularly are just really not good uh, <laughs> yeah. in several places. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that movie. It didn't need to be rebooted or remade or what have you. And I saw that one and it was terrible and it really didn't have much to do with the original. I just want to see my favorite original. And and the other one I thought of was Starship Troopers. Uh, but I almost think the cheesiness of those effects works. Oh, that's interesting. Advantage. Yeah. Um, but those are the two movies that stand out to me that I watch frequently that have terrible effects. What do you think? Both Paul Verhoeven movies. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, that's weird. that's weird. Yeah. What do you think about I Am Legend? Should that, if you could put today's effects in there, which aren't that far away from no, that's a good call. The one before, like, why are those effects so shitty? I think yeah. they ran out of money. I think it's the same thing with the Twilight Baby. But they use all the CGI on on New York. Is that what the like the the desolate New York? Probably. I also think that that stuff is easier to fudge and fake yeah. um, than like a pink zombie creature that doesn't really exist that you have to make look real from scratch. Mm. Whereas I think it's it's easier for three blocks away to make New York look overgrown, mm. but you're still you know not really doing much work there. I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm maybe they spend it all on the dog. Dog was awesome. <laughs> that was a good dog. Yeah, ran on the treadmill. But yeah, if there was, I think you know, Total Recall is a good is a good example because there are, there are some times, of course, where practical effects went wrong. Like <laughs> you know, I, I I think I think the thing is just right on its effects, but like you know that those scenes in Terminator and Alien where it's the switch between the mask and the yeah. real person are are awful enough that I would say, okay, let's do something different. Yeah, yeah, with that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, though. What I see of modern day effects, I don't want you to touch those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's do some fantasy casting. I've been waiting for this one for like four weeks. <laughs> if you had to recast a classic movie pre-1980 using only current actors, what movie would you choose and who would you cast? Mm, okay, well, I picked Jaws. Oh, oh, on the day it goes down. That's right. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make it go <laughs> down even further today. <laughs> by remaking it um but uh you know i mean we don't we don't really like like remakes but it's fun to fantasy cast if you were to if you were to come up with the movie today uh but i have brad pitt as brody oh Oh, yeah um i think he's i think he's up there enough he's he's old enough to pull off a guy who's mulling retirement in fact i've even heard brad pitt say that he was mulling acting retirement interesting a a while back but i'm sure he'll never do that's what everybody says robert redford when they have when (laughs) they have millions and millions of dollars and like all the life that they want they're like you know what could really do without this acting now yeah yeah. uh but then like i think they get scripts sometimes and it's like oh okay i'll do it um i have woody harrelson as quint oh, oh wow wow what an interesting choice here's the shocking thing to me harrelson is seven years older than robert shaw was back in 1975 wow really yes can you believe wow. that wow that pick just kind of like re-scrambled okay. my brain the reason it, it, it's hard for me because i actually think it's a great pick but right before i left to come here i was flipping channels I decided not to flip anymore. Everything sucked. And it was Now You See Me too. Oh, yeah. And Woody in that movie is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you said Woody Harrelson, I'm picturing him in the front like of that car limo 
pretend locking his lips about his secret he's not going to tell. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, wait. But no, he's been great. Like, true detective Woody Yeah, is where I think you can pull for Quint. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, and I, I think he, I mean, is uh, for every Now You See Me too. there's like five other movies he's in that year no kidding, where he's, yeah. you, know, you know, really doing the movie uh, a service by being there like zombie land woody harrelson would be fine yeah Dallas, yeah right? yeah i think he would pull that off pretty well all right <laughs> now it's gonna we got zombie land uh uh you know reunion here because jesse eisenberg is hooper i think he can be that nerdy guy <laughs> yeah. he can be the guy who's annoying enough and everything <laughs> perfect i think that's perfect for him <laughs> jesse eisenberg playing the richard Dreyfus role and then um I, I, I didn't fill up too many others that's the three main ones the sure. only other big one is the mayor and i put kevin spacey as the mayor no, oh, that's perfect. you could see him with those little boat yeah little prints on who it. would you cast as the little old lady in black that slaps him in the face <laughs> yeah. can it be kathy bates we'd have yeah kathy bates or irma p hall or somebody <laughs> like that <laughs> um yeah i thought you were gonna say margo martindale yeah margo martindale (laughs) why not the thing about though you think about uh uh, back to that guy murray hamilton who played the uh the mayor and jaws Uh oh he's so great yeah oh yeah he has a great voice and everything he's in the graduate and Uh and, uh a couple other movies i'm not calling it right now but he's got that great voice where he's talking he's like you know you yell barracuda everybody's like yeah what this Uh, you yell shark and you've got a panic on yeah. your hand. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got that voice that I really love. Hey, who would you cast as Mrs. Brody? Just out of, out of curiosity. Hmm. Cause I pictured like Vera Farmiga or something like that. She'd be, she'd be all right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd pick Angelina Jolie just to fuck with Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. Or Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, he's got a long list. <laughs> he does. He has quite a list. Um, you, you would have to get somebody who's kind of in that. I mean, you could, you could get Marissa Tomei even. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Tomei. Yeah. Marissa Tomei is like 50 now. Yep. The actress. <laughs> All right. So this may not be. In hindsight, I think this is more fun for me than anybody else. Because I picked a really old movie that most of you probably haven't seen, uh-huh. and that's Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, yeah. Nice. Have you guys seen this? Uh, yeah. It's been a long time. Okay. Okay. I've seen it twice. All right. So, uh, fantastic black and white uh, slamming door farce is sort of this movie defines that term, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a son that comes home, a nephew, really, uh, and... He's trying to get his brother committed. He finds out his aunts are murdering lonely old men with poison and burying him in the basement. His older brother, who's basically a Boris Karloff kind of knockoff. Um, I, I say that and watch it be Boris Karloff. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I was actually thinking it might be Boris Karloff. It might, they, they, they name Boris Karloff. They say how much he looks like Boris Karloff because oh, okay. he had plastic surgery. Um, but he's a murdering psychopath. And he wants to kill his brother, Mm -hmm. uh, the main character, Cary Grant. But then he finds out the two old ladies have killed more people than he has. And he wants to rectify the score. So he's killed more people. It's just a fucking outrageous comedy (laughs) with all this hilarious cast of characters. But it's all led by Cary Grant, who's one of the the best straight men in comedy Mm -hmm, ever. mm -hmm. And so I went with who I've already called that in our time, Jason Bateman. Yeah. The entirety of this movie 
It is the reactions of Mortimer playing off the insanity That's going on perfect around casting. Huh. His brother thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt, keeps pulling out a horn, yeah. a bugle, and blowing it, and then yelling charge and running up the <laughs> stairs and slamming the door. So the neighbors keep calling the cops. And all the while, there's like a body in the window seat, a fresh body downstairs waiting to be buried. Another lonely old man alive that they bring in in the middle of it that Mortimer realizes they're about to kill. God, I love this movie. Uh, so for the two crazy murderous ants, I went with Kathy Bates and Glenn Close. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, for the brother that thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt and charges up the stairs, I've got Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for the uh, evil brother, Jonathan, who mm. looks like Boris Karloff, I've gone, I'm going with Army Hammer. Oh, there you nice. go. He may not be able to pull off older than Jason Bateman, but this character has obvious plastic surgery. So I think with makeup, they could get him there. Yeah. By the way, the original was Raymond Massey. There you go. Hmm. And he's got a little sidekick that's like an Igor and even talks like Igor mm -hmm. named Einstein. I'm going Clint Howard. Oh, yeah. Is Clint Howard still alive? Which may mean Ron Howard has <laughs> yeah. to direct this. Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> Why did I even say that? Now you know he's going to die tomorrow. Oh, I know. <laughs> Bastard. Sorry. If that really happens, I think we're going to have to have a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for O'Hara, O'Hara is the street beat cop. This is who I played in the role in college. And it's really fun. He's a playwright just like Mortimer, and he wants to pitch his play to Mortimer. And he doesn't even realize Mortimer's been tied up in a chair by his evil brother, and he's standing there trying to give him his, his play. Anyway, I'm giving that one to John C. Riley. Oh, nice. Because I think he could do a big cartoonish Absolutely. beat yeah. cop. I'm almost done. Uh, he's got a fiance he's trying to marry and get out of town with. I'm going Kristen Bell, because mm -hmm. I think she'd be great in that kind of a zany thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's this cab driver in the movie who's waiting the entire movie to drive them to their honeymoon or to the airport or whatever. And they keep putting him off because all this shit that's happening. And at the very end of the movie, somebody runs by and says, uh, oh, he's it's Mortimer. He's saying... I." I'm not I'm not part of this family. I'm not even I just found out I'm adopted or whatever. <laughs> and the cab driver is so flustered. He goes, and I'm not a cab driver. I'm a coffee pot. <laughs> anyway, I'm going Louis C.K. Oh, yeah. And that is the that is the end of my. That is a great list. recasting. I think those are all perfectly yeah. well placed there. And if, I awesome. think if you've seen the movie, you'll you'll see where I'm going for there. And if you have it, uh, then you might not. I don't know if I've ever seen the movie. I've seen the play a, a few times. Yeah. Well, the play's great. Yeah. Um, you know, so basically they filmed the play and it all takes place in this living room. Mm. I may watch it tonight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've got a short cast list because I'm going to redo 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. So three? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, there's a few other characters in this, but uh, obviously the main character is a computer and the two astronauts. Mm -hmm. um, the first astronaut, the main astronaut, Dave Bowman, um, is going to be Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, from Get Out. Okay. Wow. Um, the guy can act through his eyes more than I've seen anybody in recent years. Yep. I mean, he can really, because it's a very quiet role, there's a lot of silence, there's a lot of, Good you point. know, just kind of pensiveness, and he could he could knock that He'd out. He'd be perfect. Absolutely. Um, the only other person that he does interact with, a human that he interacts with, is Frank Frank Poole, is the other, the other astronaut mm -hmm. on there. And for that, I'm going to go with Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it's kind of weird that this life movie came out yeah. um, with with him as an astronaut. But I always thought that he would he would be good in that role. Another person that can act through his face quite a bit and, and kind of hold up to this meditative pace. Mm -hmm. um, and so before it gets to that point, I'll go through some of the other tertiary characters. The Dr. Floyd, the guy that was on the, the Pan Am flight going up, that's going to be Clive Owen. 
Okay. Oh, cool. Um, you know, also very stoic, just kind of, you know, straightforward. And I think he could pull that off. The other doctor that he interacts with is going to be Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, who also has a lot of gravitas, which is weird because they're in Breaking space. the budget on this cast. Oh, yeah, totally. The apes at the beginning. <laughs> Andy Circus And Toby Kebbell. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> That's the best part yet. That would rule. Yeah. Well, it would be still awesome? be inexplicable. The whole scene would still be confounding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the ape would look bad as hell. Oh, yeah. And then they would be like expressive and That's things great. like that, mm-hmm. right? That's great. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got Hal 9000. Yeah, I'm curious to see who you go with here. Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Oh, good pick. Perfect monotone voice. You think you about sneakers when he's talking to Marty over the intercom. Yeah. He has that monotone. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're in the building, that, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, who would have been my backup would be Alan Rickman. But wow. Alan Rickman would have had kind of too much of a recognizable yeah. voice. Yeah. Well, and he also played Marvin the Martian yes, in Hitchhiker's Guide. It yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not Marvin the Martian, but Marvin the Robot. Marvin the Robot, of course. Or whatever the fuck that was. I can't remember now. It was it's, a robot. It's a robot. And For whatever was, reason, I couldn't remember. He was I, depressed. It's one of the few books. <laughs> it's one of the few books that I've read twice, and I've listened to the audio book like twice, and I've watched the movie, and I still said Marvin the Martian. <laughs> Soinks? <laughs> yeah. Well, Marvin the Martian. Marvin is. the Martian from Hitchhiker's Guide. Don't yeah. worry, they will. <laughs> okay. Some of the movies seen as classics today came out to negative reviews or less than positive reviews um, when they first came out, but people grew to love them. What movies from the past five years or so came out with negative reviews that you guys think will be looked upon as classics or at least great movies in the coming years? And I'll I'll go ahead and start. So there's two I don't think that are on either one of your lists. Uh, One I absolutely adore, but is is pretty divisive. Actually, both of them. Uh, The Master, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Uh, with Philip Seymour Hoffman and and Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. I think this is a movie that in 30 years people will look and like write essays about. They're probably writing essays about it now. Mm. Um, I think it just it it does deal with heavy themes, and that's why it's hard for people to get into. Uh, but I think everything is so perfectly placed, including the performances um, and just the whole journey, the whole. Uh, the whole character arc for Joaquin Phoenix's character to where when he's finally zooming off there on the motorcycle, it's just it's just total freedom mm-hmm. uh, from from all of this kind of oppressive uh, uh, style. But um, I think I think it's an absolute classic. I, I rave about it. Uh, I understand why people don't like it, but I think it's it's awesome. The one thing though about this this particular pick though is that it got positive reviews. It did. It so it, it's it's not exactly. I mean, and I'm going to probably do the same kind of thing when I do when I do mine. Actually, I'm I am going to come up with some negative review ones. But I know what you mean by that. Yeah, it's not most people don't like the master. Exactly, it's not an accessible movie at all. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that I think, like 2001, which a lot of people didn't like when they first watched mm-hmm. it, uh, and then later on realized, oh, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's kind of got that same kind of, you know, arc to it, I think. I mean, it may not be as exciting as 2001 or as trippy as 2001 no, for no, people to not. go back into it and say, I'll give this another chance. So it may be very difficult in the next 10 to 20 years for it to get that kind of audience. But I totally see what you're saying. I think it can ascend to the level of There Will Be Blood. Okay. Uh, because of the performance set pieces and because of, you know, how... the the layers underneath it, I think. Mm. And the other quick one that I'll do that is also has 
high reviews overall, but is also divisive is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Wow. Um, and I understand again why people don't like it. It's mm. it's a video game. It's hyperverbal. It's all this stuff. But it's it's right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. It's me every time. I it's love awesome. Scott Pilgrim. Yep, good shit. Um, all right. Well, I ha- I really struggle with this one because mm-hmm. I I wanted to find something that had been poorly reviewed. I'm not even sure if I did because I'm settling on the Ed Helms Vacation remake because mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember it having middling reviews. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a ton at the box office, and I don't know if I know a single other soul who's even seen it. <laughs> Cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> Cracks me the fuck up. And I think what I think why it initially got middling reviews is it's the big comedy set pieces are a little over the top. Mm-hmm. Like they 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 want to go to the hot springs. They ask a local. Have you seen this movie? No. They ask a local for a secret way in because the line's too long. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's just some puddle with needles and eels and all kinds of <laughs> shit in it. Human waste. And they get back to their car and their car's been robbed. And then they get to their next destination and there's a giant penis that somebody drew on it that they didn't see until then. And that gag culminates with Christina Applegate and Ed Helms trying to rub the penis off the side of the car, <laughs> but they're doing it like they're jacking off the penis. Yeah. And that, that falls a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. But it's all the running gags in this movie that work for me mm. the, the two sons the older son is just one of those weird kids he plays guitar he has 18 different journals for various things about his life he says weird stuff he likes science and whatnot um the younger brother who's scrawny as shit picks on the older brother like crazy <laughs> and never gets in trouble for it ever like there's a scene where they're like he says, do you think Uncle Uncle whatever will let me ride his horse? And she's like, I'm sure he will. That was the older brother. The younger brother goes, do you think he'll let me shoot his gun? And she goes, nope. And he, <laughs> he goes, too bad. And then it zooms in on him. He turns to the older brother. I would have shot you right off that fucking horse. <laughs> and it's just a lot of shit like that. Uh, I find this movie really funny. I might just be out on a limb. And if you guys watch it from my recommendation, listeners, and hate it, I apologize. But I do believe 20 years will prove this to be one of the better comedies of this era. So. It has 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it got terrible reviews. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just on a limb here. I really enjoy this movie. I I found this question difficult, too, because of the five years thing. And a lot of the times I was trying to think, trying my hardest to think about in the past five years, was there a movie that just just tanked? Or just, you know, had horrible reviews that I was like, you know what? I kind of like that. Not many. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That is totally deserving <laughs> of whatever rating it got. Um, I came up with a few from last year that got bad reviews that I thought were better than what their reviews got. But I'm not certain they'll be classics in mm. any way. Uh, one of them is that Blair Witch reboot last oh. year. Is that better than we think? It's better than I thought it would be. Really? Um, I remember actually after watching it, I texted uh, Jacob over at uh, uh, Modern Horrors and I was like, what did you guys give uh, Blair Witch? Because I liked that better than I thought I would. And they apparently liked it pretty mm-hmm. well. Like it was like up in their like seven rating or something like that. And uh, so that was a movie that I was like, when I was watching it, I was it's you know it's way better shot than the original Hmm. it's got some different aspects that they're throwing in that are like actually kind of cool when you think about it and Mm -hmm. um it it's i mean i really was expecting a just turd when i watched (laughs) this and uh it's andrew wingard right yeah yeah yeah. and uh you're next and all that yeah. yeah um 
and uh, I I watched it. I was like, this is beautifully shot. I like the leads in this. I like the like the little uh, concept they've got going. I don't want to say too much for people who haven't seen it, but mm. there's a there's a concept they add to this version of the Blair Witch. You know. I guess legacy or whatever. That's something I never thought about before, and it's uh, really cool. They should have called that movie Blair Witch Legacy. Yeah, they probably should have <laughs> because everything else is right. Um, there's another movie I saw from last year called Nerve that oh, uh, yeah. I I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, I'm really with you about halfway through this trailer, and then when it started getting into the whole like they're fucking with your life and all yeah. that i was like oh god fuck that if you can't make it the full way through the trailer yeah <laughs> but i watched the movie and uh and it was actually a little bit better than i thought it would be mm. i i it actually that whole like they're fucking with your life thing wasn't as stupid as i thought it was going to be mm. it's a completely different kind of thing that's going on in that so I actually ended up kind of liking Nerve, except that asshole Machine Gun Kelly's in it. And uh, oh, <laughs> I was sitting, oh, I, I was watching the movie, and I was like, I was like, uh, is that is that Machine Gun Kelly? Is that Machine? He's Gun not Kelly? the lead, is he? No. Oh my god. No, he's just in it. Who's in that? It's, oh, it's uh, Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts and uh, and um, I always because there's a million Francos. It's the it's James Franco's brother, Dave. Dave Franco. He's oh, married yeah. to Allison Brie now. Is he? Yeah, they got married well, a few good, weeks ago. Well, good for him. Yeah, yeah. I right, think they both it. did well. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, like every time I come, try to come up with James Franco's brother, I go through like these million of baseball players <laughs> that used to be named Franco, Julio. John Franco, Julio Franco. Uh, you know, there's I never come up with Dave. It's too simple. Um, speaking of Dave Franco, I want to get a little something off my chest that is just an odd thing I noticed because I happen to see two movies in like two days time where Christopher Mintzplass plays a character that does it develops a successful mobile app mm -hmm. and one of them is neighbors Two, which has dave Franco oh yeah in it, yeah because he developed some kind of app that i forget even what it was but i had seen the day before a movie called get a job with miles teller and brian cranston <laughs> and he's in that and he's developed an app called i stalk you and it, <laughs> and it allows you to see where anybody is and he basically stalks rupert murdoch to try to get him to fund <laughs> this app and then like the next day I had neighbors 2 was on and he says this thing about his app and i was like does this guy stop me i looked it up on imdb but both made in the same year man that's crazy so he made two movies back to back where he played a character who <laughs> successfully developed a mobile app and was a really side minor comic wow, talk about a He's shitty been... neighbors too was shit. oh god it's <laughs> a shitty movie everything oh i liked god. about neighbors just went out the window oh my god so bad oh, I, I, I i was i was like maybe you know now that it's been out and and everything and and i, I had it on blu-ray for like months or right. whatever i'm like i'll give this a shot maybe it'll be one of those type of comedy nope also who's in that movie um, uh, the stand-up comic jay uh, uh gerard carmichael yeah 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 and, and he's Hannah. the guy that says <laughs> says Sometimes you got to suck a dick to realize you don't like sucking dick. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. like the only good line in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Carmichael and uh, Hannibal Burris is in that too. Oh, nice. Uh, just to continue a little bit, because this is one of those type of questions that kind of like got me like going. Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't really come up with one that I thought would really be a classic, but yeah. going along the lines of what you were saying with the master and everything, um, the Edge of Seventeen was a movie that oh, yeah. nobody saw last year that I watched recently, and I really liked that movie. Mm -hmm. And that's I think that's going to probably find an audience over the next few years. But it got great reviews when it came out. So it was like over ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So hmm. doesn't really fit the criteria, but 
that's a movie that nobody saw that i think will find an audience you think it's going to go into like easy a territory or something yeah i mean it could mm-hmm. easily do that um and then a uh, nightcrawler is another movie oh, that i think oh, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. last five years as nobody saw it that could be oh, a really huge a uh thing and then and then i started thinking a little bit beyond the five-year thing the informant i think when people yeah. start yeah i think when people start uh assessing steven soderbergh's career and they go through all these movies, they're going to have to find this like really undiscovered gem mm-hmm. of a movie, and um, that that didn't get very good reviews at all. Well, nobody saw it for sure. Yeah, and uh, it didn't get good reviews. I don't think it did. Wow. And I think on the IMDb, even I don't think it's got like a high rating. But I don't understand that That's because crazy. anybody who sees that movie should know how funny that oh, yeah. thing is. So, cue right. it up. All right, let's switch it up a little bit. What movie made you question life? the most now this questioner uh gives us an example of the matrix or inception so those are i guess off the table well well fuck yeah what do you guys think well uh, i mean no surprise here i'll go with gone baby gone Mm -hmm. um it doesn't make me question existence but it makes me think about life and humanity and and the choices that we make it's I'm probably just cheating to slide it in because it's the it's probably the movie that made me think the most after watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I guess life is a big enough topic. I can say it made me think about life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the Matrix would probably be my first answer or an Ex Machina type of film. I might have just stole one of your answers. I'm That's sorry, right. I'll shut up. <laughs> um, I've talked about JFK before and mm-hmm. how at when I first watched it when I was fourteen, I saw JFK when I was fourteen. Um, that you know it it sort of changed now of course later on you realize okay a lot of the things in jfk aren't aren't right right you know um but at the time i really did think that there was really good points being made in that and you know of course later on you're like oh shit everything i knew about that movie is a lie too but they're all sort of hand in hand though uh really jfk what it teaches you the most is just to not accept just what somebody tells you especially in the first like when something first happens just don't pay attention to anything that's being said during a news broadcast during those when some big thing happens because by five years from now all that stuff that they thought happened whatever Mm -hmm. didn't happen um they're concerned about the gory details i mean not to get into it but if if like a mass shooting happens all the the 24-hour news outlets are thinking about his body count mm-hmm. right and yep. it's not like what was going on here and what was what was happening here and especially a presidential assassination there's a lot more context to it than just right well, well there he is got him yeah and it, it comes full circle because you know i shouldn't have also swallowed all the things that jfk said to me <laughs> um even though i knew that there were some things that were just they they threw in for drama and whatever um you know, it it took a while. It took finally, like I, I said this before about JFK, it took a while before I actually saw a counter argument to this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there was literature out there, but, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, what is that literature going to actually say that's going to disprove this or whatever? Um, but it took a while until finally I saw something where they were like, okay, well, here's how he could have done this. And, oh, that's actually a pretty easy shot. And I was like, it's yeah, like, yeah. like you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff there. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I didn't think about that. You know, I never, never, no one ever said anything. So 
you know, it, the movie itself teaches you don't don't swallow the the truth. You know, whatever they're saying is the truth, but also you shouldn't swallow that movie as the truth. Mm-hmm. So. Think critically. Yeah. Two movies that remind me of each other are um, Ex Machina and Arrival. Yeah, Arrival's a good Arrival one. In this. Mm-hmm. Um, with Ex Machina, it makes me question life overall yep. uh, because what he's done in this is is make sentient AI that passes all of the tests um, that 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 you could that a human could devise for it. Um, I asked last episode about the singularity question: is that if it has gotten there, or if it's even close there, if if Felicia Vikander's character has gotten there, then it's it's over like that's it there's there's this self-propelling um uh, machination that basically can go to infinity and because it's based on machinery rather than life Hmm. um there's no stopping it um and at that point and reading a little bit of the literature the the consensus of the ray kurtzweils and all the the futurists and all that stuff uh, stephen hawking's and elon musk are pointing it around 2040 is when this could be achieved. That's the consensus. Could be earlier, could be later. And so what it makes me think about is where is human humanity's place when and if it's more of a when at this point, when it happens. Mm-hmm. Right? I we mean, make them all slaves. What? We make them slaves or yeah, they make us slaves? We make them slaves. <laughs> I think it's going to be the other way around. Shush, shush. <laughs> but it, it, it might not be. And that's why it makes me th- question life is that humanity may be okay because we don't pose necessarily a threat to them. Right? I mean, if you've got something that is completely above the the, the level of, of humanity's thinking. Unless you're in Terminator world. I mean, yeah, I yeah. was going to say, even the Matrix, that whole war between the machines and humans starts because they put a robot to death for murder, right? If you, In the Animatrix, I think they go. Oh, is that this. how it started? Yeah. And, and then humanity blocks out the sun thinking they're going to kill the machines. And mm. then the machines figure out how to use the humans as batteries. Mm. And that's kind of the only reason they're enslaved. But Terminator, it's like instant. Well, we turn the program on, kill all humans. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it was exactly that, was it? It wasn't like that in the Terminator. Like, I think at, at first it's it's trying, it's figuring out a lot of things. And by the end of it, it has come to the logical conclusion that humans are a uh, a uh, threat to their existence. I think mm. you're right in general, but it, I was thinking specifically about Rise of the Machines because at the very end, when Claire Danes goes to her dad's office, they turn they've just turned that program on. Mm-hmm. But and that's also a that's also a, an offshoot. You're right. That's why I'm saying I think you're right in what you're saying of about the, the first, first two. two yeah. The first two where they've they've broken the timeline in those first two. And then the third one is like, well, no matter what we did, it's still going to happen. And it's a completely different year and all that. So so things are a little bit different there than it is in the other two. But you're right. In the Rise of Machines, they turn it on. It immediately wants to kill everything. Yeah. Yeah. The reason that you guys hit exactly on the reason that this reminds me of Arrival is because in my mind, I think the alien life or something like that that's outside of the realm of, of, you know, earthbound stuff would be more likely to be mechanical than it would be sentient life mm-hmm. uh, because the universal language is you know, numbers and science rather than just cells and things like that. Uh, so like the Terminator uh, franchise, these guys have, uh, these beings have broken into using time as a construct, mm-hmm. right? As a language. Yeah. Um, and, and time is just as important to them as words and, and, uh, and communication. So, uh, I think that they're kind of intertwined uh, when you get a an AI or some sort of machine that can think fourth dimensionally, right? <laughs> like Doc Brown, 
um, then it, it accelerates the pace of the other beings that humanity can't keep up with, unless you're Amy Adams. Um, this is not a movie, but I want to talk about it, so I'm going to... There's a fantastic episode of Star Trek The Next Generation mm -hmm. where Picard is sucked through a probe. Basically, there's a probe that flashes, and he wakes up on this strange planet with this strange primitive culture that carry water in pots and whatnot and doesn't have a lot of technology. And he keeps insisting he's a starship captain and he needs to get back. And they just keep telling him, no, you're you're this guy. You've been here all along. You're my dad, whatever. Raises a family, has grandkids, lives a whole goddamn life. <laughs> and at the very end, they, they come back to him, everybody who had died on this planet while he was there and said, we needed to tell the story of our culture and we couldn't do it unless somebody experienced that culture. So we sent out a probe. And we're all long dead now. Huh. And the probe, and he goes, it was me, the probe. It's a tour de force acting performance mm -hmm. from Patrick Stewart. Huh. And then he flashes back to the Enterprise bridge, mm -hmm. and he'd been out for like 30 seconds. Huh. And in that time, he had lived an entire lifetime in his <laughs> mind. And I've always been obsessed with this episode because where does he go from there? Now he's still he's still living his first life. Yeah. But he has a whole other second lifetime that he's lived and yeah. he has memories from. That just fucks me up. Did they no ever kidding. refer back to that at all? I don't think so. That's so insane to me. Uh, maybe, like it, maybe when he plays the flute at some point. Seems like, yeah. Because, well, he learns to play the flute on that I planet. Think, okay. And I think he plays the flute later episode. Uh, okay, huh? that makes sense. But uh, I don't think they ever talk about it much. Yeah, that's like something that if I were a writer on on that you know series, I would be like, every once in a while I have to throw in something where... Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know man. what, this guy's... <laughs> speaking a different language yeah, or whatever This guy's like lived a whole other life. Oh, it always <laughs> it blows my mind. That show is a lot deeper than people give it credit for. No kidding, man. Next question. What event from the last few years do you think will be made into a movie? Well, I can tell you right now, that girl from Tennessee that was Amber Alerted that got abducted at some lifetime producers probably already scripting that. She's home now. They found her. Mm -hmm. They arrested the guy. Has a, as happy an ending as an abduction can have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, but they make fictional movies on the <laughs> Lifetime channel and Hallmark channel about this shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're going to, they've already made a movie about Britney, Anna Nicole Smith, uh, yeah. the girl who stabbed her boyfriend Amanda 20 Knox. times. Uh, yeah. And, and so <laughs> they're going to make a movie out of that. Uh, but I'll think while you guys answer to see if I can come up with a better one. Um, the 2016 election, man. Yeah. That, yep. That's oh, going to be a multiple movie. Multiple movies. Yeah. That's going to be a movie for sure. Actually, you're right, because I read that the team that made Game Change is already working on something related to the, the Trump victory. I, and, and Ryan Murphy is working on a series about the election. I don't see, know if it's now, I... I, I I appreciate Ryan Murphy, but you know that's going to be some bullshit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be like a really heightened, like, you know, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 2000, the 2016 election was like a Ryan Murphy yes, series it was. or whatever, but I, I think I'd rather see the more even handed uh, version mm -hmm. of that. I would like to see the actual strategies involved, and I'd like to see some, you know, some real behind the scenes type of stuff, which we might not know for a really long time. Yeah, actually. unless you film in Russia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, talking about even handed, um, but uh, I just, I feel like that that yes, that has a lot of entertaining moments that would make a movie, but you would. I, I would like to also see the some of the thought process. And like I said, I think I think it's going to take a while before we actually hear somebody come out and say, well, this is what we did. 
and you know and there's enough verification on all the mm. party's parts that okay that's what happened you know that's there's some craziness that we weren't expecting in, in that year and they exploited it and mm-hmm. that's how they got to the white house so. yeah now that'll be especially if the game change people do it because those guys that was like, a great that was, movie that was a great movie i mean i don't know if you're dying the wool one way or the other maybe you wouldn't like it as much as a centrist but uh, I thought it was it was very even handed. Yeah, no, and I just thought of a better answer than uh, uh, Amber Alert Girl. Okay, I think they're going to make an Elon Musk biopic. Oh, yeah, oh, nice. Yeah, because they did they did Social Network while before Facebook even was what it is today. But mm-hmm. Zuckerberg's obviously still alive and well. They did Steve Jobs after he died, but I think they would have made those movies with him alive anyway. At least one of them. Um, and I think Elon Musk is that kind of uniquely genius billionaire mm-hmm. limit pushing kind of guy with at least three companies that are trying to drive technology in exciting ways somebody's gonna make a biopic about him elon musk was almost a joke uh, maybe about five years ago well he, um, all, he was, all he had was paypal basically well he had that but then it was right at the beginning of spacex yeah uh 60 minutes did a, an interview with him and i believe it was steve croft that was just you know, had that knowing smirk the whole time, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, you got a private entity that's going to go into space. Right. right. Well, and, look what he's done. And Elon Musk was just kind of like, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, a boolean or anything like that. But he was like, yeah, no, this this absolutely could happen. Yeah. Now, now, there are so many, you know, cautious studies about people with great ideas that don't make them happen. Mm-hmm. But this guy is absolutely unique in his ability to to do things that other people dream about and like actually Put the money behind it and the smarts behind. Yep, yep. That's anyway, a great one. That's a good answer. I think. I pat myself on the back. Yeah, mm-hmm, good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to make a movie about the 2016 Cubs. Yeah, <laughs> the 2016 Cubs. Cubs. Do you really? Yeah, I think they are, man. Now let's be. Re- let's let's strip away. You're a Cubs fan. I am. You being a homer here? No, no, no. I think it's. Listen, because it's so years. historic. Yeah, I mean, if you make something on Moneyball, which I know is not about necessarily the team, it's about don't the forget Fever Pitch. It. Fever pitch, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, which was w- was originally a soccer, right? It was yep, uh, Nick Hornby. Nick Hornby. Um, but I think you got 108 years. You got a rabid fan base. You've got a lot of characters on that team uh, that aren't just like you know, straight laced like ball players. Um, and I think you've just got such a feel good story. You may the movie may throw in like a Jimmy Fallon character or something like that mm-hmm. uh, just to tell it. But I think. There's going to be at least one movie made about that team. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to start sort of, I mean, you have to start earlier, obviously, like where there, you probably have to start all the way back at like Bartman or something like that. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. Then, to where it was just a, a tank job. And then, you know, the, just the sort of the lean years after that. And then, then the, the one where everybody was like, this team's going to be good. And they end up in the NLCS yep. uh, in 2015. Yeah. Um, well, and then 2012, not to cut you off, but I mean, who is more Hollywood worthy than Theo Epstein, the president of the yeah. Cubs? When Theo Epstein, I moved to Chicago right when Epstein was hired in 2012, and my neighborhood was right by Wrigley Field, and every shop in the neighborhood had a welcome Theo Epstein sign. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, this is like the, the GM well, or the president. Well, like, it's not usually. His story can go in there, too. Yeah, about yeah how he's he super took the, He took the Red Sox in, you know, ended their curse Mm -hmm. and everything and then and then they had that that weird moment the red sox had to like let him go yeah 
And then he goes to the Cubs and then like all the things with Joe Madden, it would make a pretty interesting Moneyball type of movie. Oh, actually, yeah. I think um, I don't think the 2016 season, if you take away the 108 years of mm-hmm. uh, all that, that was really that much of an anomaly. Like it wasn't like a lot of people expected the Cubs to be there. Oh, yeah. No, it's the whole backstory. Yeah, up it's everything then. leading up to it. That's the more interesting thing, mm-hmm. the season. And then, of course, you're going to have game seven, which was like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, coaster. it's so cinematic. Right. You get so. somebody playing Jason Hayward in there, firing them up in the locker room. Yeah. While they get the rain delay and they come out the way. Somebody playing Rajay Davis, the villain. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick Rajay Davis is. <laughs> somebody playing Aroldis Chapman who's also a dick. yeah who's really a dick <laughs> who's really <laughs> yeah. a dick. but he's on the right team that's right uh, it's fucked up yeah, it is fucked up what is your oh i like this one what is your greatest disappointment in a movie climax you know what I, not I mean, a porn movie right um and that would be definitely you know <laughs> the whole library of porn titles that are going through <laughs> um no like Okay, so M. Night Shyamalan, we we knew as a guy who would put twists in movies. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, love the one in The Sixth Sense, love the one in Unbreakable, and then Signs comes right after that. Mm-hmm. Signs is so disappointing. Yeah. The, the, the twist in that isn't really a twist, but it is kind of one because it's, it's one of those things where uh because he remember because mel gibson remembers what his dead wife tells him and the night she died he's like go long and watch him swing away yeah swing away and like it's the same shit it is and uh and like uh and so joaquin phoenix gets a baseball bat and beats the alien the one fucking alien and that's it you know like uh and it it's so disappointing to me like the like because i believe at this point we're we're sort of trained to you know expect an an amazing twist from an M. Night Shyamalan movie and i think he was trying to make a movie here that didn't really have that twist Mm -hmm. but because it's you're primed yeah, yeah because you're primed it is so disappointing when it comes to it and that i mean it qualifies as one of those a twist, I guess. It's not really a twist. It's not like, oh, all the things that I thought were is, are now Forget this. everything you think you know. Right, right. <laughs> it's not like that, but it does It does come off as it's just super silly and just, you know, it doesn't make the movie any better mm-hmm. to, you know, just, just if you if you have a baseball bat in the, in the living room, then that should occur to you without having someone say, swing away. Yeah. Do we like signs? Oh, I like it more than Chris does, but I don't think it's as good as Unbreakable or Sixth Sense. Probably, I guess, uh, besides Split, probably is his third best, I guess. Yeah, I would say. Signs. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of great moments and shots. Signs uh, starts off really well. It really does. And then once it gets to, like, Poltergeist, where they're all mm-hmm. whispering in the, in the you know, like, I remember when you were born. Yeah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, all that, that's, that's no good. And like the fact that water fucking, yeah, yeah, oh my God, yeah. mm-hmm. fucking water, <laughs> fucking water. Yeah. And it's really, like it really is. Yeah. It's still, it becomes that whole thing that war of the worlds, like, and mm. I'm talking about like old war of the worlds, like, you know, like a stupid, like, oh, they're not, they're not used to the viruses that are on <laughs> earth. So pollen. yeah, pollen, <laughs> come on. Um, that's never satisfying. Like, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. That's something that they, 
you are you really telling me that aliens didn't know there was going to be something on the, yeah, on the exactly. planet like don't you think they would have like a bunch of mucinics on the, on the- <laughs> <laughs> gotta load up boys mars and x that's right um so i'm gonna go with a, a movie i've championed on this podcast no country for old men yeah oh yeah if only because in in, in the true storytelling fashion this this film does not have a climax that's true it it gives us a peripheral ending view of a gunshot battle with a car racing off Mm -hmm. and then we do see shigur go to the wife's house and then he gets in a wreck and buys a shirt from a kid and then it's Tommy lee jones waxing poetic about life for five minutes Mm -hmm. for a movie with such thrilling tense action set pieces to not have one at the end has always bothered me now i have come to embrace that they were trying to stay true to the source material and not just manufacture some weird shootout that didn't happen in that story. or And, and what happens in this film is probably what would happen in real life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I get the realism aspect of it, but it's always bothered me because when they do action in this film, they do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we're just going to kind of, eh, yeah. Yeah, it's like Homer easing back into the shrubs and stuff, <laughs> like, any kind of big statement. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my answer for that. One of the things that that reminded me of is The Force Awakens, actually. Oh, yeah. Is that climax, I guess you could call it a climax. The The ending shot is, you know, Luke on the uh, on the island. Mm-hmm. And that goes on for so oh, fucking long. Oh, it's unbelievable. Long. Not only does it take forever for her to get up to that, that peak that she somehow knows he's exactly at, um, he looks at her so long it must be like 10 seconds but it feels like an it's hour it's what's called milking it man oh and he's he's kind of like right the chin up and everything like mm-hmm. oh i know what's gonna happen now the swelling star oh, wars man. music but i read a thing the other day where mark hamill was was against that ending at the beginning because he thought the audience was would think it was a cheat mm-hmm. and i'm like it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I've never been so happy to be wrong because the audiences loved it. And I was like, doesn't make it not a cheat. It's totally it's a cheat. It's a total cheat. Tacked yeah. on. Like they could have, that could have been the beginning of the next Exactly. Movie. Yep. Exactly. And it would have been it. so unbelievable. That like, been the trailer. Like we didn't, we didn't like to know that she's going there and probably going to run into him. Uh-huh. That's enough. Yeah. We don't need, I mean, I understand they're trying to get everybody back from that first one to get into this and everything, but I think it's just more satisfying to know that she's going there. Yep. And then Especially considering from what we've been told, the next movie picks up right where this one leaves leaves yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. And so you could have just started the next one there. Yeah. Yeah. But my real answer that oh, was just I thought maybe, that was it. No, uh, that made me think of it. My real answer may be controversial. I think the ending of the raid two You motherfucker is a big drop off. No. Because the climax, you could say, is that kitchen fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought I, th- I do think that's the climax. But okay, but that's not his last challenge. But that doesn't mean it's the climax. Yeah, I guess. The last but, challenge with the bad guy, you mean? In the yeah, the last room? challenge. Yeah, because he goes in and Uko is standing there with his fucking shotgun. Yeah. And it's like this guy has gone through all of this hand to hand combat, this groundbreaking action. And he got a fucking shotgun. Yeah. You know? But I have always interpreted that kitchen fight as the big boss battle. Well, then that should have been it. But the boss of the gangster world isn't going to be the best kung fu guy. He's going to have a paid guy on his roster for that. Yeah. But the whole movie, that was clearly the only potential equal to our main character. And then I always feel like 
The rest of it is denouement, like it's yeah. just kind of tidying, sweeping things up. But once he beats that guy in the kitchen, it's a foregone conclusion. I, I think so too. I think that once it's once you get past the main, like they do this in movies a lot. They mm-hmm. did it in um, was Snowpiercer. It, they did it, like yeah, that. Snowpiercer. They did it in Taken Two, where it was <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn you take- other than that yeah it would have been a great film. that's right well taken to like they do that where he's like he runs into like this one guy who's like the underling he's like the main underling to the main yeah, boss yeah. guy he beats that guy there's like a whole like they've made it's almost like staged oh you yeah know, like, yeah where it's like where it's like they're in this room right now so <laughs> liam neeson's gonna have to kick this guy's ass in this room and that's the final battle <laughs> and then he runs into the actual real bad guy at the end but that's a bunch of bullshit because you know that real bad guy wouldn't have had a chance against liam nope. neeson. yeah i mean it's kind of like dark knight right like mm-hmm. after he's done with with the joker then all of that is just kind of setting up the, mm-hmm. the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could do one more if you want to. Let's do one more. Let's do one more to give you the buffer. Okay. Gonna go back in time. What is the best work by a director that they did not direct? Oh, good. I, I remember e. my answer for this. Uh, Steven Spielberg and Poltergeist, Fincher and House of Cards, even though Fincher did direct the first one or two episodes of House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you what my favorite example of this is, is Tim Burton and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah this is the best answer. Well, yes. because it's so very clearly his movie, it's, even though Henry Selleck is the director. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is everything about this screams Tim Burton. This poor is Henry Selleck. This is Halloween. <laughs> Henry Selleck is stuck as the director. Not stuck, but he is the, uh, the credited director. But nobody is looking at that and saying... That's Henry Selleck's movie yeah, right there. I, and I, I don't know what the story is behind that, but I think Henry Selleck is the guy who is in charge of the animation mm-hmm. of the movie. As far as what we see in the movie and how it goes about, that's Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Henry Selleck would go on to do James and the Giant Peach. Yeah, looking the, very similar. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, and he did that without Tim Burton. He's obviously, like, you know, not untalented or mm-hmm. anything. So, anyway. Uh, my answer is Spielberg with Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was a producer on that, and I feel like that could be a Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. It's the most Spielbergian that Zemeckis ever gets. Mm-hmm. You mean uh, Bobby Z? Yeah. Yeah, Bobby Z. <laughs> Bobby Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you could you could tell me he directed that, uh-huh. and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it at all. It just is very it fit, fits right in there with ET and all the other stuff that Spielberg was doing in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's tough. You know, this is another one of those questions. There's very few moments where you can look back and say the 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 movie that we see is actually this guy or whatever like poltergeist that's like a big long rumor that toby hooper didn't actually do didn't direct the movie that we saw on screen it was spielberg basically coming over and saying this is how we do these things and then he would go off and do Mm. (laughs) et like they were shooting these at the same time Uh and they're in the same neighborhood and it was the same year and they came out a week apart in 1982 (laughs) wow um but like uh, so there's not very many of those where you're like, you know, this this is the credited director and mm. this is the like Edward Norton. American History X is like a, is kind of like that. I mean, you could yep. almost say that's his yep. his movie or whatever. Do you remember who did? Oh, uh, Tony K, I think is his name. OK, um, but uh, Teddy K. <laughs> Teddy K. Yeah, Teddy, Teddy KGB. <laughs> Teddy KGB. <laughs> I just made a reference to an obscure Dennis Quaid um movie i don't know why i thought you were making an obscure rounders reference yeah me too I was, when I, was a Teddy K, I was like teddy kgb <laughs> no uh, uh in good company 
Ah, in oh, your company. Wow. The guy that's the boss of the company who's Agent Coulson in the Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. Teddy K. Clark Gray. Or no, wait. Oh. Teddy K is actually Caligula guy. <laughs> and Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> I just always going to call him Caligula guy. Yeah. That's that's what he's mo- that he that's what he's Clark most known for. Sure, is Caligula. Um but uh my pick here is going to be Tarantino for True Romance. He was Oh yeah, that's great. Um, Excellent. He uh he wrote the screenplay for it. This is actually what funded in part Reservoir Dogs. Right. Uh 2 years prior or whatever. And he got Tony Scott to direct True Romance. Uh, it's funny you can see a lot of tony scott in true romance but it's so tarantino as far as the screenplay it's a perfect kind of match it really, really is it's almost enough to make me wish that sometimes tarantino would write and then move on to another project and let somebody else direct yeah, yeah. his script but he had this a, one turned out great well and tarantino had a weird 1990 this was 93 when true romance came out uh, in 94 natural born killers was his screenplay yep. and his and then oliver stone changed it so much that tarantino like disowned the film yeah that one has very little very tarantino little there's like it. a couple things in there you go like, okay it's kind of tarantino but true romance is yeah all tarantino Definitely. The dennis hopper christopher walken scene is absolutely 100 percent him and even some of the casting seems to be inspired tarantino because chris penn's in it and you have samuel jackson and course samuel jackson he's and everything yeah um, you got that mexican standoff at the end yeah you yeah. have uh yeah i mean it's it, there's so much tarantino in it and uh but uh yeah i would i would probably consider that his. i love the island music at the end oh yeah yeah which was uh hans zimmer i believe oh was it yeah because zimmer and tony scott did a lot of movies together yeah, and yeah. that was one of them interesting good answer good yeah. answer nice all right, that'll be it for this week. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, a lot of comments. Also, go to, if you want to listen to us on iTunes, if you do listen to us on iTunes, I know a lot of you do, don't feel ashamed to get on there and give us a review. And if it happens to be a good review, cool, man. Cool. We're, yeah. We ain't mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What's that song? I ain't mad at you. <laughs> Tupac. Is that Tupac? Uh, I ain't mad at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I don't know which one. I gotta find it, though. It's one of those seasons. It's in that fourth fifth sixth seventh season somewhere around there now i'm on a mission i'm gonna make this the best damn karaoke jam ever um david fucking fincher i know world war z2 yeah that's weird this is bizarre world it really is fucked up I can't make any sense of that. That feels like the exact not kind of movie he would choose to do. The headline was he does it for his buddy Brad Pitt. Well, they are they have made several movies together, at least two. Fight Club and uh, and Seven. Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. Oh, and Seven. So there's three. Anything else? No, I guess that's it. So what? Wait a minute. What? What are the ones that you mentioned? Fight Club, Seven, and Benjamin Button. I believe that's it. Yeah. Seven years. But still, that. that's a <laughs> yeah yeah. That's not quite. You know, Cohen Brothers' devotion, but it's getting close. There is that mm. scene in Fight Club where they're walking down the street and there's like 
uh, Seven Years in Tibet is in the background, and then there was something for Edward Norton too, like maybe The People versus Larry Flint. Or oh, something. I didn't see the Edward Norton. One. And then, uh, and I think they also had one for Helena Bonham Carter. Like, uh, like all three of them had a reference to one of their movies. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. But the Seven Years in Tibet one is the one I remember the most because it's like most prominent one in the background when they're walking to the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like uh, it's like on the marquee. I bet it'll be the best damn zombie movie ever made. Probably. I mean, they already strayed so far from the source material. They can do anything they want. What is the best zombie movie ever made? Oh, Jesus. I don't like them enough. I'm not part of that loving zombies culture. I can't. You know, like 28 Days Later? Maybe that one. Maybe. Dawn of the Dead? That's one of my favorites. Yeah, 28 Days Later. Dawn of the Dead's really good, too. I would but put maybe now, both Dawn of the Dead's now, at the top. Now, I still haven't seen the Romero one. I've only seen the remake. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Romero one is still good, man. I See, I don't know. It's still good. I don't think so. Really? I think it's it's like the Beatles. It's got a little too much nostalgia, praise, love, <laughs> Godfather. He was the guy. He was the f- godfather of zombie movies. I watched it a couple years back, and I remember thinking, oh, that that's what started all the zombies. You're shit. talking about Night of the Living Dead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That movie's terrible. Yeah. I don't like that at all. Well, then what were like, you talking about? It's I understand. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, uh, Dawn personally. of the Dead is the sequel where they're going into the, the mall and everything. Well, you know, And then they remade it. Zack Snyder and mm. uh, James Gunn wrote yeah. the screenplay. That was back in the day that I thought Zack Snyder might be pretty awesome. Because mm-hmm. he did that, and he did 300, which I liked at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still like it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of like... There's even a lot to like about the Watchmen, Watchmen movie, yeah, even yeah. though I don't like so, it as a whole. You know, in that sort of that period of time, I was like, Zack Snyder's pretty awesome. And now he's just kind of... I don't know. I wonder what's happened to him. Did... I, uh, what came after Sucker Punch? Did Watchmen come after Sucker Punch? No, it came... came yeah, Sucker Punch came after Watchmen. Okay, so that was the downfall oh yeah well that was that was one where they they tried to make an original comic book type of movie right that wasn't based on he a wrote comic the script book. yeah that movie, that movie sucks is, uh, as we said in the sins video why would you even make this movie like this yeah. movie is so uncomfortable and awful and terrible mm-hmm. there's a great uh it's one of those sucker punch has a great trailer though it has and it's mainly helped by it's got a couple of songs on it. It's got When the Levy Breaks mm-hmm. at the beginning, and it's also got uh, Silver Sun pa- Pickups Panic Switch yeah, going on. So it's got, it's <laughs> really awesome, this trailer. And then I, I remember watching that. I don't think I could have been more disappointed. Oh, in God. No, it was bad. It was a slog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went with a friend of mine that was super high. Oh, I Oh, my God. It. And uh, he freaked out. He was like, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 like, I did after the uh the Preds game, I uh I was about to go to bed. I was tired of shit. And then like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross was in its third oh, act. Oh yeah. Like, Fuck. <laughs> like an hour later. What <laughs> are you going to do about it? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> you fucking cunt. <cunts. laughs> <laughs> you stupid fucking cunt. <laughs> but what I was thinking about though Jack fucking Lemon just can't shut his mouth. I mean, that's the whole mm-hmm. crux of the movie. Mm-hmm. He just right. can't shut the fuck yep. up. Now, this is who the Simpsons are basing Gil on, right? I would think the so. guy who always wants leads. I believe yeah. so. Because uh, I, I remember the Marge sells the murder house episode. He's in yeah, that one. Yeah, and he's yeah. begging for leads, and yeah. I always assumed it was some kind of loose reference. I, to- <laughs> I, I, I've always thought it was him. You know him, or I mean, you could even say Alan Arkin because it's, yeah. But I think it's more Lemon than fucking Michigash. Yeah. Well, and it works to his advantage and his detriment because it's how he gets into the room to even talk to that. Was it the lady or the? Like he goes to somebody's house early in oh, the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. After he had called them, and he's just such a slick 
talker he just keeps well, talking like he comes in he comes in and he's like uh he's like yeah i was talking to you he's like i was talking to your wife earlier oh yeah something about blah 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 and he comes in and he like picks up a fishing pole oh fishing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even actually doesn't even pick up the fishing pole he just mimes the, the action of it but in that scene with spacey man he just he basically parrots exactly what al pacino just said mm-hmm. yeah and he was like hey you're a fucking child you're a fucking child he's like eating nuts and he's like no all right yeah that's good (laughs) and then space is like how did you know how did you know about that yeah Yeah. and it's like i love i oh god damn i love that movie where like everybody is on top for a second yeah and then somebody's gonna get the upper hand Mm -hmm. except for alec baldwin just fucking (laughs) but if you're in the movie long enough you're gonna get fucked one way or another yeah you see this watch this watch costs more than your car. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. That's my name. That puts me on the fucking top. I don't want to hear any shit. Fucking Pacino, man. That may have been the peak Pacino of his like latter day Pacino Pacino ness. Yep. Like that third act and uh, Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Pacino ist. Yeah. Play, you like that movie. It's fucking great. Oh, oh, yeah, man. I love Devil's I Advocate. I win. That's what I do. That's my job. <laughs> I rest my case. Vanity, Kevin, <laughs> is definitely my favorite sin. <laughs> you played me. <laughs> what you are hired for is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? <laughs> to help us, not to fuck us up. <laughs> to help men... <laughs> Who are trying to go out there and try to earn a living, you fairy. <laughs> <laughs> that look that he gets on his face right before he launches into that thing. It's like that that shock of losing somebody. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to direct everything I have right at your face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Yeah. That's right. right orgy. Baby. Question orgy. Looking up my answers because yes. I can never find them in time. It's a question bukaki. It's a question bukaki of Cloaxi. Wow. <laughs> that is a dirty image. Oh my god. Cloake is just bukaki. Did you see me yeah. fucking with Frank on Twitter last night? <laughs> Somebody said it's pronounced Cloace and I said Khaleesi. Oh yeah. Frank was like, no, Cloace, and I was like, right, Khaleesi. So wait, is it is it is that's the plural, right? Cloace. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the other is Cloaca. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. I was about to say, I, we've been fucking that up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> it is Khaleesi. If you had to recast, if you, <laughs> excuse me. 